experience. Train by day, Joe Rogan podcast by night, all day. Dude. Hey, settle down. What the fuck did you do, Brian? I fucked up. Um, Hey, man, thanks for doing this. I appreciate it. Appreciate you coming on. My pleasure, man. Um, I wanted to, you've sort of like this whole thing, this paleo solution, your book is like, uh, I think started like a a new level of people thinking about about health and about like what the body's naturally supposed to be uh, breaking down. You know, and uh, yeah. how did you do that? How did you, like, figure out what, you know, so many before hadn't? You, well, you know, I'd, I've got to give a bunch of credit to my professor, Lauren Cordain, because he's the guy that did a ton of the research really early on. So almost 15 years ago, further back than that, I was a California state powerlifting champion. I was into kickboxing. I was totally into athletics and all that. And always trying to figure out what's the best way to fuel my body, like looking for better performance. And I tried a high carb, low fat vegan diet. And I went from 185 pounds, able to back squat almost 600 pounds down to 135 pounds and like sick. I had all kinds of gut problems, ulcerative colitis, irritable bowel, like all kinds of poop related stuff. And this idea of the paleo diet, just, it it was kind of weird how it got onto my radar, but I was kind of thinking, okay, these, uh, these Neolithic foods, grains, legumes, and dairy seem to have some problems for us with regards to health. And so I started eating that way. And then I was a research biochemist at the time doing lipid metabolism research related to cancer and autoimmune disease. So I was able to experiment on myself and then also do some research. And that's how I, you know, this whole kind of evolutionary biology thing got on my radar and, uh, opened a gym, started, you know, using this with our clients, our gym made, uh, uh, men's Health Top 30 Gyms in America within a couple of years. And then the book has been on the bestseller list for like two years. And like the, there's been no marketing budget, nothing other than just like word of mouth. People buy the book, they get benefit, and then they, you know, they just go from there. That's pretty incredible, man. That's, that's a, 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 like a diet revolution. And, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of fighters that uh, take it. Uh, I know Frank Mears on a paleo yep. diet. I'm sure a lot of other ones are as well. There's a ton of people, you know, and and I just encourage people to tinker with something. Like, there's a lot of guys doing vegan diets right now, and they see a performance boost. That's totally cool. Like, I I think that people should get in, maybe get some blood work before they start a change, track biomarkers of health and disease, do it for 30 days, see how they look, feel, and perform, check it again. Like, it should be really empirical. Like, there's some theory behind all this stuff, but you should really get in, and it should be your personal experience that dictates this. And if it's not making you perform better, if you don't sleep better, if your body comp isn't better, then do something else. You is, know? Uh, is a paleo diet good for everybody or are there some different body types that would enjoy a different diet? Or do you I, think that that's like the optimum diet just for human beings? I, I think it's good for everybody. But within that, you know, some guys are going to do pretty well on low carb. Other people are going to bonk and they're going to do terribly. So like, just for the, for the total layman, when it comes down to nutrition, explain to people exactly what it means, the paleo diet. It means it, what people ate essentially during the paleolithic period. Yeah, yeah. And this is a period of time when we really changed from the previous ancestors when you look in the anthropological record. And when you look at our genetics, it's pretty darn similar to what, you know, the, pe- the people were living during the paleolithic time. And we can kind of verify that with different, like there's this uh, place, the Max Planck Institute of Evolutionary Genetics in Leipzig, Germany, you know, and they do all the, the kind of scientific validation of this stuff. But 
it, you know, at brass tacks, really, it's talking about eating lots of fruits and vegetables, roots and tubers, lean meats, and kind of steering away from grains, legumes, and dairy, these newer foods that for a lot of people cause a lot of problems. That's a fascinating thing when you think about it, how our technology and our ability to process food and grow food and store food has evolved much faster than the body is capable of, of, of doing on its own. Right. It seems like that it's, it's kind of a fascinating thing with human beings is that we essentially have the same bodies that cavemen did, but we have all this new stuff that we've sort of added to the mix and haven't, we haven't really figured out what the long-term effects of this are. Yeah, and you know, everything from sleep, like if you start doing some Googling around on like sleep and health, sleep and diabetes, you know, we don't sleep the way that we used to. Used to, the sun went down and we went down, you know, the sun comes up, we get up. Now we have this extended photo period. We have light on us all the time and it messes with our circadian rhythm, the way that we release melatonin, the way that we heal. So, it ha you know, the whole lifestyle package, exercise, nutrition, uh, lifestyle, the way that we don't really interact with a social group, the way that, you know, is kind of wired in. I think that that's why things like CrossFit, different gyms, different social networks are really valuable for people because we live in a, you know, we're tribal in our, our DNA. Like we seek right. that out. And if you don't have it, it, it fucks with you. Like it damages you. Wow. That's interesting. So what, what's fun about CrossFit is that you become a part of a team and you all work together and you're like fellow CrossFitters yeah. and you, yeah. Well, I, I see that for sure in jiu-jitsu. I see that in martial arts. It's always been the case in martial arts. You know, the, your, your gym becomes like your family. Yeah, yeah. It, the, the exercise becomes almost secondary. It's yeah. like that, you know, making Social sure that you see atmosphere. people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. It's, it's, it is fascinating how our, our needs are essentially the same. But, wow, have we done a crazy job of changing our environment. Right. You know, in such a short period of time. It's almost like we just really can't keep up with that what, what we've been able to do our body just can't keep up with it yeah and, and you know Plan you travel and shit like that right like, and if you look at some native populations like they are crushed by type 2 diabetes and autoimmune diseases and they were eating basically a paleo type diet maybe only a couple of hundred years ago so you know the depending on your genetic ancestry you might be able to deal with you know high fructose corn syrup or something a little bit better than somebody else that's maybe like Native American or, or African American because their ancestry is just just young enough with regards to being exposed to this modern environment that they don't cope with it. Like it's that much more damaging to them. Wow. So um, what about processed foods? What about like ingredients and processed foods? What are the long-term negative effects of, you know, you hear that processed foods are bad for people. What are the long-term effects of eating something that has so much preservatives in it that it can just sit around? Uh, you know, it, you just look around and you look at like the diabetes epidemic and, and uh, you know, autism spectrum accelerating. It's just everything from cancer, diabetes, heart disease, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, all of this is related to this process called inflammation and inflammation is kind of an overactivity of the immune response. And interesting with the Cordyceps product, it actually modulates the immune response. It makes the immune system do what it's supposed to do, whether you're under stress or exercising or whatever. And that's kind of the benefit of that stuff. And the negative part of the way that we're living, we don't get enough sleep. We eat the wrong types of foods. We don't really exercise enough. And all of that kind of sends a weird signal to our immune system. And it tends to make you diabetic or it can make you autoimmune or it can accelerate things like Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. So, you know, we're, 
we, we're facing, there's some projections, and this is from like, you know, governmental agencies that are as orthodox as it gets. We're looking at by like 2030 that, you know, we're going to have a 300% of GDP being allocated to our debt. And then most of that being allocated to healthcare. And wow. it's nuts. You know, we know more about disease and cancer and, and everything than we've ever known, but yet people are getting sicker faster than they ever have. It's crazy. And it's just a, a lack of lack of nutrition and the lack of supplying the body with what it's always had. What it's really wired up to eat. Yeah, yeah. the essentials, yeah. the vegetables, the fresh vegetables and fresh meats. And it's why does stuff that's processed taste so fucking good? Well, you know, that's why is Twinkie so delicious? You know, well, there's a bunch of food chemists that put all their kids through school by figuring out there's this thing called palatability. And if you can make something hyper palatable, like it tastes so good, then you actually override the mechanisms in the brain that normally tell you I'm full. Like if you sit down and eat some chicken and some fruit and like some yams, you'll eat until you're full and you're done and you're not gonna get up and you know, dust another plate of that. But when you tinker with these foods and you make them really crunchy, you add some salt, you add some high fructose corn syrup, these things become hyper palatable and it turns off the part of the brain that tells you I'm full and it would be like, you know, you're filling up your gas at the gas station and if you turn off the mechanism to know when the gas tank is full, it's kind of the same analogy. Like you just keep pumping stuff in there and you have a disaster brewing. How does someone get to be like 700 pounds? You see these people that have to get cut out of their houses. Is that even possible without processed foods? I don't think so. I don't think so. And it's usually that liquid That didn't foods. exist before, right? Just super rare. You know, hospitals are, are, are retooling everything. Hospitals, fire departments, police departments are being forced to retool everything that they have. Their beds, their, their gurneys, even the, you know, the openings in their doorways because people are getting so big. And it never happened in the past. You know, 1950s, it never really happened like that. And wow. we ate a little more fat. We didn't have as much processed food. We didn't have high fructose corn syrup. People tended to sleep a little more. Like the sleep is big. Even though I'm like the food guy, I'm always talking about sleep. Because it, it just messes you up when you don't get enough. When you look at those turn of the century people, they were all like little wiry dudes. Right. Looked right. like they could just work all day. Yeah. A little wiry dude, work all day. And they did, yeah. yeah. It's weird how, how much people have changed. Like the average size for a man was like 125 pounds, you know. Like, we don't realize, like, how, how fucking big we've got. Right. And not like, in a good relatively way. Yeah, not quickly. good big. Yeah. You know, not good big at all. Yeah. It's weird. It's weird that it can happen so quickly. There's a photograph from, uh, it's like the turn of the century, and there was a guy, it was a sideshow, and this guy played the fat man in a sideshow. I don't know if right. you've seen this. Yeah. The, the image came out, like, kind of recently, because it's ridiculous, because the guy's not even that fat right. by today's standards. Like, there's no way you'd pay to see him. But back then, it was like, whoa, what the fuck is this? He was literally a sideshow freak. Yeah. 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 I guess you would have to eat insane amounts of, like, regular, good, healthy food to get that big. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's that thing, again, where, like, you just, you get full from real food. So it's really hard to overeat it. But if you have something that turns off literally the mechanism in your brain that says, I'm full. Like, if that never kicks in, then you can just keep going and going. It's so creepy, but yet so delicious. Indeed. Therein lies yep. the problem. It is so delicious. Do you allow yourself cheat days? Will you eat shitty foods? You know, I do some Mexican food, and I do, like, some corn tortillas and stuff like that. I'm super allergic to wheat. So it's just... Really? Like, that stuff's just a no-go. Like, it, it can't happen. No wheat but, at um, all? None. Oh, your whole life? Uh, you know, I was sick as a kid a lot. 
and wow. it was probably all like wheat and oats and and stuff like that holy shit so i'll kick my heels up but i i tend to like to burn my carbs more from booze so uh-huh. versus um good move so you actually food. you actually count your carbs you just go hmm, yeah. i don't really I count it really... but if i'm gonna if i'm gonna shit the bed on something i'd rather it be alcohol than like than twinkies or something yeah right yeah yeah twinkies is just a horrible feeling when it's over it's like, what did I do? It's just so dis- so much disappointment, you know, when I, when I eat like a ring ding or something like that. Right. Like, as soon as you're cleaning your fingers, I'm, I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Really? But then you want another one. No, so. Yeah, I usually don't. Usually I'm disgusted with myself after one. And it's really hard to get a good night's sleep if you shit your bed also. I would imagine. You need a lot of beds around. Yeah, that with, with you need some options. With Twinkies, is that what you're saying? Twinkies make you shit yourself? No, he said that if he's going to waste any of Oh, if he's going to shit, shit the bed. The bed. Oh. And, he, and then earlier he said that he needs a lot of sleep, which I agree. I, I spend a lot of money on mattresses yeah. because I, I need a deep sleep. And so I, I, I spent as much money as I can on just the bed. Right. Like, I think that's mo- so. So many people spend like thirty thousand dollars on a car, and they're yeah. in it for like ten minutes to go to work back and forth. But you're in your bed half of your life, and like people buy like an eight eight hundred dollar mattress, like with springs going up your ass and stuff like that. <laughs> you guys should have sleep numbers. Yeah. Sponsor. It seems they like sponsor a you fucking guys. mattress shouldn't really cost more than eight hundred bucks. Like, it should. It, yeah, exactly. It should. Those Tempur Pedics. It seems like they just slice those bitches out of a box. They the, the Tempur Pedics aren't that comfortable. I, I just got like I just got a new mattress mattress because i couldn't take the cat pee smell in my bed anymore <laughs> details he's been ignoring his cats so his cats been pissing in his bed <laughs> so i now i have this whole lockdown system with cats in my house so they can't go into certain rooms anymore oh, now they're gonna hate but, you even more yeah i know one one of them slapped me the other day but uh wow. <laughs> just came up to me for no reason it was like smack and then ran away i was like what the fuck wow the tired of your bullshit you took away a spot where he was pissing i <laughs> yeah. would be mad too so like i was trying to piss in that bed son but this, these new beds have like tempurpedic and then the one i got has like a gel on top of it so it's like huh. this weird gel that you're in it's so it's like a little baby water bed wow you like it yeah it's pretty badass hmm. Do you uh, recommend waterbeds? Is it good to be in that womb-like environment? Uh, you know, I like the sleep number, actually. Which, you like which, that thing? Yeah, I like that thing, and I actually have mine, like, concrete. Like, it, you know, is that better for you? It's like 95. I think it's kind of individual, but it is cool. You can dial the thing up or down and make it fit for what you need. I had one. I didn't like it. You didn't like it? No. No. Wait, like what do you roll with? Tempur-pedic better. You have a temp? Okay. Yeah, I like a firm Tempur-pedic. I just didn't like that one. No? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that you can you can um, avoid like more kinks and neck things if you uh, sleep in a harder mattress. Right, like the harder the better. Is that the case? Again, you know, it's kind of funny. My my pal is a total sleep expert, and he he would I, I've grilled him on this stuff, and he's like, you know, it just kind of depends on how you're wired up. I think that again is trying to get in and do some personal experimenting. <laughs> And you should have a really good night's sleep. You should wake up refreshed. If you wake up and you're feeling like dog shit, then it was a bad bed. You need something else. But mm-hmm. our house, we have like four spare bedrooms. Each spare bedroom has like a $3,000 mattress in it from us trying these other beds. And it's like, nah, that didn't work. That didn't work. And it's always the trial period is like, try it for 60 days, but you don't start feeling like shit until like 61 days. So, yeah. Right. 
And if your bed has that like sinkhole black hole thing that's in the middle because oh, it's so you, old, you gotta get rid of that. that you that, might get rid yeah, of it. Yeah, because yeah. You, I found my on my last bed it had a mild version of that, so I was always constantly like like having to adjust my body a little just to get like like a more comfortable you know sleep because I slept on my stomach, so and then I, my, I always had neck pains from on one yeah. side of my body from just adjusting. And how the cat pee tends to kind of pee. guide yeah. you. That's a fucked up thing when you go to sleep and you hurt yourself while you're sleeping. Yeah. You know, you just feel so stupid. You wake up with a kink neck. You're like, come on, really? I get Charlie horses all the time from dehydration. From what about hammocks? Much. Wouldn't that be the way to go? A hammock might be cool. You could check out a hammock. A hammock, a hammock would be sweet. A hammock seems like the way to go. Like a nice leather hammock Gilligan's in your Island bedroom. Style. Yeah, just sleep in a hammock, man. <laughs> it seems like it would support you like really kind of evenly. You get pockets on the side of it. I had one in high school. Yeah? I just like, sleep nailed it? it up to the wall. I made, yeah. Yeah. Whoa. How much sleep does a, hu- a human being need? Eight to ten. Eight to ten. Pitch black room. Yeah. A and, period. Yeah. And that's like a no, you can't debate that, right? You know, it's funny. You, you, people will say, I only need like five or six hours of sleep. And then inevitably, if they put up some blackout curtains, if they turn off all the lights and they actually like get in an environment that's good for sleeping, then they're like, you know, ninja blow dart. They're out for like 14 hours the first time you do it. And then they start getting caught up on their sleep. And these people that usually think they can get by on like five or six, they discover they're like, okay, yeah, I feel way better on eight to 10. And I, I mean, it's a lot of time. There's a lot of other shit you could be doing. Right. But you just don't do it as well when you don't sleep. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm a big fan of sleep. And if I don't, I've, I've really felt, especially as I got older, when I was younger, I could pull it off more. Right. But now as I get older, like if I don't have like a real legit solid eight hour sleep, I just don't feel like... I'm all cylinders are not firing. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. Even with a cup of coffee or whatever, or an exercise, you know, you, you, you know, you're still, it never really quite feels right. It feels right. like you just, it's a weird thing that we just shut off, you know? Well, and that's why travel sucks too, because yeah. your circadian, you know, that inner clock gets thrown off when you go East particularly. So like you go to the East coast, you go to so Europe. So it really is like going East is worse than yeah. going West. You know, that's what they always said about Japanese fighters that the pro- problem they had in America, like uh, Phil Baroni actually told me this. Yeah. He said the problem they had in America is that when they would come here, like coming to America completely fucks your system up. Right. How is that possible? You're, you're just, you're completely flipped around. It's like you're fighting then when you would normally be asleep uh-huh. and, and it takes weeks for all that to kind of get shifted around. And, once you, you know, you do that travel, say you go from uh, Japan to here, you go from here to Europe, your testosterone levels drop, your inflammation goes up, your immune system goes down, and it's going to stay that way for a while because it's a stress. It's like it, the same way that working out or, or working too much is a stress on your system. It's going to drop all of your recovery capacity for a while. And this is just because of the interruption in sleep? Or yeah. It's because- yeah. It's, it, and it's that internal clock that kind of gets tied into the, the sunlight and all that stuff. Yeah, but it, it just drives... Everything, all your hormones, neurotransmitters, the way your gut functions, everything is tied into these internal clocks. So if a fighter wanted to acclimate but when he came to uh, somewhere he was going to fight, should he go there at the beginning of his training camp and never leave? I would. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't, that if you have it in your control, cool I, I, I wouldn't travel more than three hours if you had control. Like if you have a well-established fighter... If they need to travel more than three hours and, uh, you know, uh, uh, three time zone changes, mm-hmm. then I, I would really recommend 
you know, the camp at least a couple of weeks beforehand gets moved, but possibly from the beginning so that you've got the continuity. Yeah. Yeah, that's a, an element that, you know, the rest element is one that really doesn't get quite enough credit. It, it doesn't get quite enough importance. Everyone's always looking for something that you can eat that can give you energy, something that you can eat that'll clean you out and get you straight. But really, one of the most important things is just shutting the fuck down and just sleeping. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you sleep well, it's hard to kill you. If you're not sleeping well, it's almost impossible to keep you alive. Like it, it, it's huge. And you sound like a, a nutcase recommending this, but you know, it's kind of like my greasy used car salesman pitch is like, dude, sleep more, you know, yeah. whether it's clients trying to lean out or like somebody trying to get better performance for fighting. Or like we had a girl that missed uh, Olympic trials for the 2000 meter row by a, a hundredth of a second, you know? And you, when you're at that level where she didn't go to the Olympics by a one one hundredth of a second, Holy shit. you need all your, you know, your eyes dotted and T's crossed. And so like <sighs> she sleeps well, she eats paleo, she does all this stuff, but she still got edged out, you know? Wow. Yeah. Wow. But one, if one, when you think of it, just to stop and think about your life being about performing to one one hundredth of a second right. better. Then everything you do has to be like dead on. You, you would be a paranoid freak. You, you could be crazy. She's been kind of crazy <laughs> at times. Yeah, like my monitoring that. I, I honestly don't like um, monitoring super high level athletes because it is so fucking stressful. I'm sure. Because if I shit the bed on something, or it, there's the whole part of me doing something wrong and then feeling guilty for it and then wanting to kill me. And then there's the other side where. You're investing hugely in this person, and if they don't comply with what I want them to do, I want to kill them, you know, because I know how important this stuff is. And if they're like, oh, I'm going to go out and drink anyway, or, you know, I'm yeah. going to work on some other project. Then. That is a, a thing that drives, uh, there's a guy named Mike Dolce who mm -hmm. uh, works with a lot of fighters. And he, you know, he, if the guys don't listen to him, he's like, well, I don't even know why they fucking brought me here. Right. You know, it's just been pointless. Like some people don't want to hear it. Right. They still want to do what they want to do. Especially fighters. Fighters have this mindset of... If you like getting hit, I mean, there's a whole other wiring that goes on, you know? And I <laughs> it's mean, It's not even that. It's like they have a crazy sort of a confidence that nothing will ever go wrong. Right, right. You know, Which, to some degree, you that. need that, you know? Yeah. The, and I, I think the people that are able to take that confidence, but then also understand what a good coach can bring to the table, mm -hmm. and to some degree, step back and give up some of that responsibility. It's like, okay, you're my coach. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to you. Yeah, and that's then I don't need a, to worry about all important. the details. Yeah. I feel like fighters who are self-coached only reach a, a certain level. I think, you know, you've had some problems. If you're self-coached, it's, it's really hard to objectively stand back and look at your game when it's not going right. Right. You know, but a, a real, true professional, a guy who's worked guys through many levels of, of uh, advancement and growth, he, he could see, like, issues. He can find things that you're doing wrong. And just, I think for uh, an athlete, I think it's important to relent to a mentor as well. I think you, you have to have someone else who you also have faith in what they have to say as well. So you're not in it by yourself. Right. It takes away some of the psychological burden, you know, especially for combat sports. I think it's, it's very right. important for, for guys. Some guys don't like to do it, though. They want to they do everything themselves. Yeah, but, you know, the jack-of-all-trades, you don't go anywhere. Yeah. Like, if you're supposed to fight, then you fight. And you yeah. eat, sleep, and, you know, shit that. And then somebody else monitors your food. Somebody keeps an eye on your sleep. You know, you, you've got somebody ideally taking care of the financial side of your life and everything so that you can just focus on that one thing. And you've got to put all of those pieces in, in play. 
Yeah, and especially when you, you're thinking about fighting where the consequences are so much greater than the one one-hundredth of a second in rowing. Right. You right. Know, the one one hundredth of a second, you lose that. You're like, ah, oh, shit, what could I have done differently? I should have used fluoride less toothpaste. Right. You know, you start thinking crazy shit. But when someone, that one one hundredth of a second is someone connecting or, you know, spotting your, your, your punch, getting out of the way just in time and countering you, and you get knocked out, then it becomes even more crazy and right. even more obsessive. Have you worked with fighters? Uh, you know Glenn Cordoza, right? Sure. You know Glenn, yeah. so we worked with Glenn. And then just more uh, kind of internet coaching, you know, trying to... Uh, folks have come to me <coughs> when uh, people weren't recovering. They were starting to get a ton of soft tissue injuries. Um, bad sleep started popping up, you know, like they started getting some depression during training camp and everything. And so looking at the diet, looking at lifestyle factors, and I mean... It, it all boils down to the same thing, though. Like a clean diet, I obviously I'm going to gear towards more towards like a paleo gig, protecting the sleep area, like it, it, at gunpoint. Like the people sleep eight to ten hours, you know. But if you have to kill somebody, and then just kind of a mellow lifestyle outside the rest of that, to the best of your ability to to construct that. But that will, I, I mean, it's fifty percent of your recovery probably is is having that sleep. So you can go in and train really hard. And then go home and not sleep, and you don't get really any of the benefit from the training session. Even if you're working skill, say you're, you know, you're working a bunch of head movement and stuff like that. That is all a skill that needs to go from one part of your brain to another. It goes from short-term memory to long-term memory and starts getting, you know, woven into like your brainstem. It's a it's a, a learned pattern. If you don't sleep, you don't access that that transition. So it's like that training session then is just gone. It's as wow. if you didn't even do it. That's crazy. So it's like if you're going to spend the time to do it, there's a great book, another good dude you should have on that wrote the, uh, the Talent Code and talking about like needing really good repetitions and like 10,000 repetitions in something like playing violin or mm -hmm. learning, you know, uh, uh, quick draw shooting and stuff like that. You want to do it perfect and then you need a good environment for that stuff to kind of cook in the brain and actually become a part of your person, part of the motor memory. So it, it's a huge part of the game that people are just kind of, again, shitting the bed on and, and not get, you know, it, you see so many people work so hard, but they almost work too hard and then they don't give enough credence to the rest because it's like, ah, oh, that's being lazy. I need mm -hmm. this work ethic and I need to go. They go all Dan Gable yeah. on you, just yeah. to push yeah. to your break. Yeah. There's a lot of wrestlers who I think that is the most uh, overtrained and undernourished sport. When it comes to amateur sports. And they're tough. They're that's used to they're, being tough. That's why they're so dangerous when they become MMA fighters. Is because right. their, their level of mental toughness is, uh, I believe, above and above beyond any other sport. I think at the highest levels of wrestling, I think they're the most mentally tough guys in right. the world. They're fucking animals. Those guys, they don't eat for days. Right. They, and, and then they go and wrestle savages, you know? Right. I mean, just the weight cutting alone, the fact that they have to be miserable and malnourished and dehydrated in training. It's really hard, to, but but that's not the way to do it, right? If you want like optimum performance, I mean, it's great that it makes them so tough, but I mean, if you really want to take care of the body, that is so not the way to do it. Yeah, I mean, staying within, staying in close to contest shape year-round, kicking your heels up a little bit, but you know, the the thing is, is that when people go so extreme, then when they're off season, they gain thirty pounds of weight, right. and it's all hookers and cocaine. <laughs> you know, it's it's like bad bad scene there. But what about the overtraining? I mean, there is a there's a certain there's a certain point of no return, right? Where you yeah. you're you're actually doing damage to your conditioning, right? And you it's know, it's really common it, too. It's super common. Uh, the people who manage it well, 
those are the folks that succeed, I think, more, more And the often people who manage it well term. are certainly the ones who protect their conditioning year-round. Right. They don't ever let themselves get out of condition. And it's, a, right. it's a very difficult and disciplined thing to maintain, like to maintain like a real high level of conditioning. But if you don't have a high level, you can't push to a higher level. Right. Right. And for a lot of people, it's like when you have a you attain a certain level and then you drop off drastically. And then it's all about getting your, your body back in shape. Like, guys who get really big in between fights, like, you know that those guys, like, that's not the same level of commitment as, say, an Anderson Silva or a George St. Pierre. Right. You're never going to see those guys fat. Right. You're never going to go see those guys in, in between fights just drinking and fucking around. There's none of that going on. Right. They're, they're protecting their vehicle. And so even though they're still obviously moving a lot of scale weight to make weigh-ins, it's not as dramatic a shift. And just like when we travel, whenever you change these internal kind of kind of signaling, the biological signaling, you, when you fly, you know, from uh, six time zones or eight time zones, that messes with your sleep. If you are taking your body and forcing it to shed a bunch of weight very, very rapidly because you got out of shape, then it's more of a stress and it drops testosterone, it, it impacts your immune system. So staying as close as you can, you know, it, obviously like you want to be as big and strong and muscular as you can at any given body weight and it, but within striking distance, being able to go down and make weight when you need to make it. When you see guys, uh, I don't know how aware of, you are of, uh, there's some crazy weight cutters out there. Yeah. yeah. A, the most recent one that I heard of is Travis View. Right. Fought in Bellator at 245 pounds in the cage. 205 is what he weighed in at. Right. That's fucking crazy. Right. I mean, that is fucking crazy. Yeah, and I mean, there's some science to it. You need yeah. somebody there with your, you know, your IVs and, and all the rest of it. And but holy shit, what a nutty idea, the fact that you're almost dead 24 hours before you have a cage fight. Yeah, you know, I, would, I think it'd be cool to just see almost like Jits, where you, you show up and you step on the scale and you weigh what you weigh and then it, it just goes. Uh, yeah, I would like to see that too, but... You can't do that if you have contracts. Right. You know, because dudes, if they don't have any consequences for not being at a certain weight, dudes are just going to get huge. Right. I mean, there's a benefit to just putting on muscle mass. You know, the 147 weight class, you show up at 160 pounds, swole as fuck. Like, right. what the hell's going on? But, I mean, they would sit, then those guys would have to fight, like, 155 or 170s But you couldn't, you know, couldn't yeah. do that in the world of championship fighting. Right. Because, you know, you obviously have to schedule it long right. in advance. You have to put it on pay-per-view. Uh, so you got to have weight classes, but there's no way to stop people from cutting weight if that's going to be the case. The the good thing that they've done is at least give them 24 hours to rehydrate, right? Right. Which they didn't used to do. The old days of boxing used to weigh in the day of the fight, and guys would dehydrate, make weight, and then you know drink milk and you know eat right. cheese and meat or something stupid, and be all fucked up by the time they got into the into still the dehydrated. Yeah, completely. Yeah. yeah. Does the IV dehydrate when when they rehydrate with IVs? Does it replenish the brain as well? Well, it replenishes everything, but I mean the body's <coughs> in a pretty rough state by yeah. that point. So I mean, it, it's uh, 24 hours. You can bounce back pretty good, and particularly, you know, like you said, with wrestlers, they've been used to pulling their body up and down like that, so they're right. a little bit more acclimatized to it. But it, it's rough. How how much of a percentage do you think it rem- takes away from them? I mean, is it? It's got to be a damn. I mean, if you're not supposed to get drunk, okay while you're in training camp and you, you eat clean and everything like that and then you do something way worse than getting drunk you get crazy dehydrated, dehydrated. Yeah. you mean you starve i've seen guys shuffling to the scale because they can't pick their feet up right man. i've seen that 
and they were going to fight in a world championship the next day. Right. Yeah, I don't know. And that, that's where, you know, we're, we're the, are they as lean as they could be, you know, just day right. in and day out? Right. And, and uh, I don't know, because it takes something off. You know, it takes it, something it, off. And then you just have to wonder, is it taking an equal amount out of both parties? Right. You know, but that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, there's got to be a way to find people that are really the same size and just make some sort of an honorable agreement to never get over a certain weight. Right. And just do it at the weight you actually are at. Right. Yeah. And, you know, in some ways, I think it would be more exciting fighting because a lot of the fatigue that I see set in in folks, it's probably the weight cut. Oh, well, when you hammered. saw like Chris Weidman and Damian Maya, I don't know if you saw that, but it was on Fox. Yeah. Both guys were Well, Damian Maya really just couldn't do anything with Weidman, and Weidman was way too tired from the weight cut because he had took the fight on really short notice. So the guy had a cut, like some insane amount of weight the day before, and that's what they kept saying to him. I saw what you did yesterday when you made weight. You know, you can do anything. You can right. do anything. Like, so the guy the weight cut must have been death-like. Brutal. Yeah. And then here he is fighting on Fox, you know, the the next day, 24 hours later. It's a really a weird practice. Right. I wish we could avoid it, but I don't know how because there's a, when you, you have to have weight classes, right? You have right. to. There's no way a guy like uh, Joey Benavidez should be fighting Brock Lesnar, right? So we got to right. have weight classes. This isn't 1993. Right. So in, if you're going to have weight classes, it's like how do you set them up, you know? If you would just set them up every, ideally every 10 pounds, every five pounds, how do you set them up to keep people from cutting the weight? I don't think you can. Right. Well, I mean, again, you would do it more like a jiu-jitsu tournament where you weigh the weight. But how could you do that with a championship fight? Because if the if, guy didn't make the weight and that, everybody flew in from Australia to see the fight, you know what I mean? It's like... Probably like curbside execution then. I, I, I don't know. It's like would you, you get killed if you don't make weight. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <coughs> and even I mean, then, they would try to be as big as possible. Right. People, I mean, people, there's an advantage to being big, you know. Look right. at uh, what it's done to Alistair Overeem. Right. You know, there's Alistair Overeem 1, you know, where he was a really good fighter, very skilled. And there's Alistair Overeem 2, where he's this fucking behemoth that's smashing people and winning the K1 Grand Prix. And the only difference between those is a lot of fucking muscle. Right. A lot of experience and a lot of muscle. You know, it's, it's amazing how much it does for a really technical guy when they right. get strong. Right. You know, that's, that shit's so how are you going to have a weight class? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How don't are you going to have them weigh in the same day? Dude's going to go, oh, sorry, I'm 20 pounds overweight. Not much I can do about it now. I mean, we wouldn't want me to dehydrate and risk dying. I mean, what the fuck do you get them to do? Yeah, I don't know. Other than, again, the uh, curbside execution, you know, part of your contract, you're like, you're going yeah, to make weight. Or... It should be some sort of samurai type thing. Totally. It should be an honorable... Sipaku you know, out yeah. there, yeah. No, yeah. not even that. I'm saying like the the uh, the contract to fight. It should be like there should no no one should ever miss weight. It should right. always be like really, really clean and easy, and everyone's just this is what you weigh, and then you go and fight. That would be the ideal thing to do. The danger is apparently um, with dehydration. Um, that's when uh, most of the, the brain boxing damage. brain damage yeah. fights where guys have died or yeah. Gerald McClellan who was a famous weight cutter. He's a really big guy. A lot of those guys in the heavyweight division really never had the same problems that right. guys in the lighter weight divisions did. Right. That's a, that's a very unfortunate aspect of, of fighting, man. Yeah. I mean, you're already taking something that's pretty 
scary rough and dangerous. And, dangerous. Yeah. and then making it way more. Yeah. What are the physical effects of dehydration on the brain? Because that's where it gets really weird, right? Well, you could have electrolyte imbalances where things are just literally not firing and your heart may not fire properly. But I think a lot of it is just that that fluid, you know, around the brain is the, the shock absorber. Right. So if you pull some of that away, then the brain is literally You've almost got like it's kind of like a walnut that fills the whole shell. You shake it and nothing happens. Oh. Whereas if you've got maroon in there and then you get hit, then you're driving the skull into the brain at a very high velocity, which sounds bad. I mean, you I literally know. have less fluid up there. Yeah, yeah. And then what about with the IVs? Does that replace it? It, it does, but I mean, you twenty four hours is a pretty good period in. I'm not super up on this, but you could take somebody who's extremely dehydrated 24 hours later. They're pretty good, but they're still after effects. You know, I think you could probably find things in blood work that a week later, you know, like if you just uh, shrink wrap a guy down, like you do the usual, you know, like 20 pound weight cut that you see in a lot of these, these fighters for like a 200 pound guy or something more, 10% or more of body weight. I bet we could see things in their blood work a week later. Like, they don't fight, they just weight cut, and then we, we see what, what changes in their blood work. I bet we could see bad stuff in their blood work a week later. Like, it, it leaves an, an impact on us. How do you stop people from doing it, then? I mean, education? Let fighters think about their career holistically? Because the reality is, competitively, there is an advantage to oh, cutting totally. the weight. totally. And it, I think you get as big as you can, as lean as you can, and then kind of see where that... It, but then... You know, doing some field testing where you, you practice it. Say, like, you've got some sort of a, a, uh, a metabolic workout, you know, like whether it's pads and bags or whether it's a CrossFit-looking thing or something, but you've got a standard, and so you weight cut at a certain starting weight, go down, rehydrate, do your whole, you know, your whole rehydration process, see how you do on this kind of standardized workout, and then maybe you gain a little bit more weight, a little bit more muscle. If is it that much more difficult to go down and does it actually then tank your performance mm. so i think you've got to get in and do some field testing but it, it's hard to do that you know you're already trying to get ready for fight camps and do everything right. else so yeah i think that's one of the things that you brought up earlier such a good point that too many fighters concentrate on conditioning instead of concentrating on skill work right that skill work for someone is doing something as crazy as a combat sport it is the most important thing if you look at the best guys, they're not necessarily the st- like Anderson Silva. In my opinion, is the greatest fighter that's ever lived, and he's not the strongest guy in the world. I mean, he's obviously a strong guy, but but he's insanely technical. So technical, yeah. and so his it, everything moves fluidly. Like he never has stamina problems. Right. He fights deep into the fifth round and is always fighting because he's he's, he's efficient. super efficient. Yeah. Super efficient and. George St. Pierre is another one, and it's a fascinating thing that George St. Pierre does not do any strength and conditioning during his fight camps. Right. He says he doesn't, doesn't believe in it. He says uh, he might lift a little weights. He goes, but I do that for my look, to you know, look good. But he's, he's being serious. Like, everything he does is, is wrestling, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu. And when you look at the demands of that, how much more can you do? Yeah. You know, and, if you're and, smart. Yeah. And, like, just a little bit of, <clears throat> you know, strength or power training, a little bit of mobility work. But it, let's say you want to do some cardio, mm-hmm. you know, are you as a fighter, are you better off getting out and running? Are you better off having somebody hold pads for you and you go at like 50 percent and you just you get your heart rate up a little bit? You know, it's like, you know, 70, 75 percent of your VO2 max or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
but you do a little bit of that, you do a little bit of position, positional sparring on the ground, you do a little bit of clinch work, but it's all at a very controlled pace. Like, mm -hmm. are you going to get more out of that or out of putting on your sneakers and going for a run? The only thing you get good out of going for a run is uh, I, I find running to be like a form of moving meditation. Well, okay, I'd buy you know, that. And I think that I go, over, I go over things when I do just straight cardio work where it's forcing me into the monotony of even just sitting on an elliptical machine. Right. You know, it just forces me to think about stuff. Right. Because uh, I'm like, I'm not doing anything other than this for 30 minutes. So right. I'll see what the fuck's going on in my head. And then uh, yeah, I think that might be a benefit to athletes because I think a lot of athletes don't spend enough time visualizing. They okay. spend enough time thinking about the techniques and going over things in their head. And they've, they've shown a direct correlation between visualization and improvement and technique that's on par with practice. That's actually doing it, yeah. But very few people will actually go over a whole right. routine in their head. Like say if you were a wrestler and you had a series of takedowns and you put yourself into a state of concentration where you're only thinking about your wrestling and then all you do is concentrate on this power double over and over again. See yourself penetrating. See yourself sliding off that knee, getting your hands clasped together. If you like really spent the time, like a whole full hour and a half of nothing but that, just like you would do if you were training nothing but right. that. I think that's, that is a fascinating exercise to see uh, how much it would improve a guy maybe who's not doing that, who's like already very good. Right. You know, someone who has a hard time seeing a next plateau. You know. but, but it's a good point, too. You know, that it, uh, you've always got risk of injury, even holding pads, even yeah. doing positional sparring. So it's actually a, a good point. Like you could sit down on the elliptical mm -hmm. and then do some low level cardio, but like you're not yet, you know, you're not watching TV during that thing. Like you're thinking through your fight strategy, like whatever it is that's in your B game that you're trying to bring up and you're really visualizing that. And like, you've got to think about like the feel, the smell, the, the, you know, you've got to visualize it as detailed as you can to get the most benefit, but you, you're totally spot on. There's and good there's stuff. there's always dudes that either annoy you that you can think of when you're doing it or dudes who you're scared of rolling with. Like there's a certain dudes that I know that I fucking hate rolling with. These motherfuckers don't get tired. Right. You know, and you, they're trying to kill you. You're going to war for the next nine minutes or whatever it right. is. You know, so I always think of those motherfuckers trying to choke me. Like, ah! Right. You know, there's something that you can get out of just a straight cardio exercise, I think mentally and physically. Yeah, yeah. I, lo I love doing uh, – in hotel rooms, I don't like doing this at home because it's kind of boring compared to other shit I can do. But I do this crazy elliptical workout where I'll sprint for 30 seconds mm -hmm. and then I'll relax for 30 seconds and then I'll sprint for – and I just do as many rounds of that as I can. And it's fucking horrendous. Right. Like, I don't like doing it. Like, it's, it's so hard to do that when I see one of these things at a hotel gym, I'm like, all right, you motherfucker. You know, I get like – I was, I was hoping I would Get walk anxious. in and it just would be like a universal machine. There. Right. But if there's an elliptical machine, we got to go to war. I got to do my thing. That's what I do at every hotel that has this elliptical machine. So it's become like this, this battle of man versus machine. But it's a fucking, it's a brutal workout of just a silly little elliptical machine. Right. But, I mean, you put that, that all-out effort into it. Yeah. And that interval that's training what it is. is nasty. Yeah. Just crank, you got to crank the power up, the, the resistance up super high, and you go to war for 30 seconds. You just got to go crazy for 30 seconds and, right. then, and then crank that bitch back down to like eight or nine or seven or something relaxed. And you do that for the next 30 seconds and then right back up again. Right. Just keep doing it. It's, oh, it's, it's terrible. Yeah, I think I would like doing curls on the universal machine. Better. That. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a lot more fun. Curls yeah. on the universal machine was so unrealistic. <laughs> right. It's so nonsensical. And the bench press where it kind of turns up like right. that. 
Right. I remember we had those in high school in the high school wrestling room. There was a there was like a fitness area. Right. You know, a big universal yeah, machine. Yeah. This dude named Frank Peace could do the stack. Frank Peace got under it. He could do the whole stack. It's really fucking strong kid. Everyone's like, oh shit. How much can you bench? Everybody, that was like the big question. Right. <laughs> and they would use like universal numbers, you know? It's, it's like, like 600 pounds yeah. universal or it's 200 ridiculous. pounds real. Yeah. It's, isn't that funny the, 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 that it's easier to push things as long as you don't have to balance them. When you have to balance them and push things, that's when shit gets slippery. Right. It's hard to, it's hard to wrap your head around why a universal machine really wouldn't work. But it's okay to do something on, right? I, I mean, it's hotel, better than nothing. Yeah, you know. totally. And, like, you're on the road a lot just like I am. It's so brutal, yeah, right? You get, you get done what you can get done, yeah. Do you have, like, a hotel workout that you do? It, it depends on where the place is. Like, if it's totally just nothing going on, then I'll just do some sprints, like, in the stairwell and stuff like that. And then I do some handstand push-ups, maybe some L-sit, press to handstand and chairs, doing some gymnastic stuff. But it really depends. There's... More, I've been hitting like double trees now because they usually have a half decent gym. And then like you can, you can swing some dumbbells like the, you do with kettlebells and right. just get some basic strength training in and then do some intervals on like a Stairmaster or an elliptical. Yeah. Yeah. If I don't work out when I'm on the road, I feel twice as bad. Right. There's, there's definitely something that goes on with uh, you know, when your body goes to a new place where if you do get a good workout in, it sort of makes everything feel okay. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like a little bit of a reset. Like if I, if I fly into Dallas or something, I'm like a little f- foggy from the trip. If I hit the gym hard, it just whoop, sort of pulls you back. Yeah, yeah. sort of levels it off. What is, what is going on when, when that happens? Is it just an endorphin rush from the training you know heating up your body it just it, you you crank up all the metabolic processes going on so it definitely you know the endorphin rush is nice because you just feel better from that but whenever you heat your body up you are kind of accelerating all the processes in the body and so you're going to acclimate a little better there, you take in some melatonin when you travel you know that helps reset things but exercise has been known for a long time to help if you didn't exercise and you did like a uh, USA to Europe travel, it's going to take longer to get acclimated versus if you exercised every day. Now, when you, um, if you, if you go to a place and you, you know, you, you settle in and you, uh, you, you do exercise and you do take melatonin to sleep, what is like best case scenario for you settling into a new time zone? Like if someone goes from California to New York, you know, three time zones isn't too bad. It'd probably be a couple of days. If you go, all, you know, six to nine time zones, it's going to take a week at least. And you're probably going to feel pretty rough. And if you're younger, it's not going to be as bad. If you're older. I had friends bad. that went to Australia. When they came back, they were fucked. Yeah. yeah. They were fucked for a while. Yeah. They're like, it's like, I haven't been the same in two weeks, man. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. Yeah. And you, you get out and exercise. Ideally, you get outside during the evening when the sun is setting that the, the communication of the light into the brain kind of resets some stuff that is really important for normal sleep. So you, so you should like actually that. watch the sun turn into darkness? Ideally be outside, yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's what and the that's... sun lamps are good for. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. What are the sun lamps? Uh, they're like these lamps that uh, you, you get uh, to, that, that simulate the sun, like they glow really bright, like you, have a, you can like wake up to it. Like it's an alarm clock almost, and, it, really? and they start getting brighter and brighter and brighter, and you wake up with this huge glowing light in your in your bedroom, and it it just kind of makes you feel like it tricks your body. Like people in Alaska have these lights all the time because of the 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 periods of time when it's you know pitch always black, pitch black. always yeah. that's cr- that or, or always daylight too. Don't, yeah. Doesn't it reverse there? 
Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's both, right? Yeah. It's a nutty motherfucking place to live. <laughs> right. Have you ever seen the show Mountain Man? Yeah. It's a great fucking that show. That is crazy. It's my new favorite show. Yeah. That guy, That's... Marty, who lives in Alaska. Yeah. If you haven't seen this stuff. show, folks, it's about three different dudes who live, uh, one's North Carolina, one's Montana, and one's Alaska. The Alaska dude flies everywhere in a plane, goes for hours to be away from his family, or excuse me, months rather, to be away from his family, and just traps animals. Right. He's 24 miles on a fucking, one of those, uh, what are the, what are the, the snowmobile yeah. things, snowmobile yeah. things. It's craziness. Like, you know, you think you got it hard? This guy makes a living killing little animals and selling their skins three hours by plane from his house. All to escape his family. Probably, right? Yeah, yeah. It's probably a bullshit, right? Yeah, well, I got to do what I got to do. Meanwhile, he could be trapping, like, right next to his fucking house. Think about how many goddamn animals there are in Alaska. Why do you have to go to the middle of nowhere in your plane? Yeah, he's probably up there beating off. Trapping squatch. <laughs> he just comes over there, just a stack of porn. Why is the plane so heavy this time? I don't know. Couldn't find anything different. Why Magazines on one side, yeah. Vaseline on the other. It's just all DVDs, all porno <laughs> DVDs, all Asian, too. You don't find any Asian chicks up in Alaska, do you? Very rare, unless they're, unless they're I re- literally there I don't know. walked there from Asia on the Bering Strait, like right. the Inuits. What if they have like the best Asian and we didn't even know this whole time? A new type that's, of Asian. That's like a, it's like their secret. Oh, I see what you're trying to say. Alaska Asian. Alaska. It is weird though. Alaska is not attached. That's hilarious. Like, how can you claim something that's attached to another fucking country? <laughs> you know, nobody wanted it. It's kind of like it's awesome. Baja. Why could you not want it? Yeah. Why yeah. would nobody want it? I don't know. They don't want to get eaten. They, they bought it for cheap back in the day, though. So yeah. Th- this dude who lives up there, man. This this guy's a lokester. That's a crazy life. And he does it every year. Same thing every year. It was, he was outside. It was like 50 below zero. Right. Like you could piss and it's going to be frozen before it hits the ground. Yeah. That's yeah. amazing. Maybe you could. Not me, bro. <laughs> My piss is alive. It's hot. <laughs> My piss will fight it off. He's, you drink your own. Do you ever drink your own piss? I do not. <laughs> I do not. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a quote in the bottom of someone at the message boards. It would be someone's signature. I, I'm Brian def- Redband, do you drink piss? Joe Double, drinks his own I piss. Isn't that no, crazy? I have. I have drunk my own piss. I don't do it on a regular basis, I, Brian. I am part of the lunatic fringe, but I haven't gone down that route. So, yeah. It really doesn't even taste that bad. It's like bugs. It's all in your head. It doesn't taste bad at all, but <clears throat> I had read some shit like a new Leoto Machida drinks his own piss. Does it every morning. Wow. Him and his father. Uh, what's the fuck? Juan Manuel Marquez is famous for drinking his own piss, the boxer. Yeah, there's, a, there's this idea of urine therapy. You're supposed to, like, uh, there's vitamins and nutrients that, that go through your body that uh, don't get used by your body, but they're in your piss, but they will get used if you drink your piss. Does that sound retarded? There's some possibility there. Like if you uh, if, if your wife is or girlfriend is pregnant, then uh, HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin, is a, a, a hormone that stimulates like testosterone release. Also, so like you could collect their urine because the HCG is really high in the pregnant chicks, and then concentrate it down and mm. you know get jacked from that. So, wow, you get yeah. jacked from your wife's piss. Who would have thought? Fuck Maybe yeah. that's where it all started from. <laughs> Dudes are smart. They knew what the fuck was up. Jimmy Norton's on to something. He's going to be all buff any day now. huge. That's why his neck's so big. I, I wonder if, uh, how the fuck anybody ever figured that out? That, you know, there's any sort of vitamins and nutrients to be had in drinking your own urine? Uh, I don't know. 
I don't is know. It, it, it's like the cordyceps. Like, why did this guy eat the, right. uh, you know. Caterpillar with the fungus on it. I just think people had lower standards in the past. Like, if you don't know about hygiene and bacteria and so stuff like that, like piss, anything goes. Fuck it. Yeah, it's like, why not? Drink some piss. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. I know for when people that take mushrooms, that's supposed to be the end-all experience, is you recycle your urine while you're tripping. Right. And apparently, there's more psilocin or psilocybin or whatever the fuck the psychoactive ingredient is in the, the urine. So as you drink it, it's your, it gets reabsorbed and it shoots you to the center of the universe. Usually, though, when I'm, crazy experience. I'm on mushrooms, the last thing I could do is drink, drink or piss. eat or especially my Drinking piss. your own piss. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I talked to a dude who did it. He said, you know, everybody was like, you got to drink your urine. You got He's like, I'm not drinking my fucking piss. I'm already high. He goes, I'm thinking I'm already tripping balls. <laughs> right. And he said, so they talked me into drinking my piss. I drank it and just, he goes, I, I can't. It was like I was pulled back in like a slingshot and, choo, and let go to the center of the universe. I, I think just like stacking psilocybin plus mescaline plus LSD is probably a more direct route to that instead of light drinking your <laughs> right. own urine yeah. during the whole well, thing. Well, it's supposed yeah. to be just an accelerated version of the mushroom trip. It's not like a confusing blend of different trips. Okay. The okay. idea is just when you, you drink your own urine, apparently the, uh, the, the, the real experience kicks in. Hmm. It's like that takes it to the next level. It's so trippy. That it takes it to the next level. I think I would try meth first. I'd be like, oh, really? I'll just blow that. that oh, no, man. Trip the dude, the the dude who did it, the dude who did it, I swear to God, there's some people that come back from some, I mean, a real or imagined experience like that, so humbled that they really are a different person. And that's how this guy was. I was like, what happened to you? Like, what's going on with you? Like, he like, was, dude seemed like almost pious. It was weird. It was like he, he, he like was noticeably softer in tone, noticeably more humble. It was, it was weird. And I go, what happened? And then he tells me this whole story. I'm like, holy shit. How long ago was that? Like two, a year later, he was back to himself. When you have the full <laughs> reality peel, like when you have yeah. that complete reality peel, it should change you a little bit. It so, should, yeah. It should knock your fucking socks off. Yeah. It should let you know, like, whoa, you might, you might be wrong, son. This might not be normal at all right this world might be full of crazy magical things that can happen at any moment in time that's how i feel about food poisoning sometimes also i learn a lot from food poisoning yeah well you know there's <laughs> don't eat that taco wagon <laughs> right. ever again you say that but Sunday that's sushi I that is that something that cultures that didn't have psychedelics they had uh rituals and rites of passages through uh different substances that would would they would like be poison mm-hmm. they'd basically be like like uh, i think this the the name for these substances, it's, it's, they're, they're essentially toxins that don't kill you. But well, you go through like this horrible or, oh, ordeal poisoning. That's what it's called. Hmm. They're called ordeal poisons. And you go through this horrible, horrible, horrible experience. And, and when it's over, when it passes, you're so happy to be alive. That you like, you become nicer to people. Yeah. You you become you you learn something from it. I agree. And so, in the, instead of having that come through the amazing and enlightening experience of the psilocybin experience or the the mushroom trip, instead of that, you just almost die. Just almost, just the whole fucking thing falls apart on you. Just, Don't tell my wife about this. She <laughs> she could possibly try to improve me by recommend you, yeah you, you go that route yeah. what, if, what would she improve if she could improve you seem like a great guy 
Maybe I would cook more. <laughs> I you, uh, at the home, are you like out. super strict with the paleo? Is I, everybody has to follow that? I, you know, I mean, I, I actually do all the cooking. So, I mean, it's like oh, I, really? shop, do you really? I do all the cooking. And, wow. and so, I mean, I, I just folks pretty much eat what I throw out there. You make but a I'm, good gay wife. I would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> I can't deny it. So you um, uh, always organic, always grass-fed? No, you... no, you know, we do the grass-fed gig because we have a friend that owns a dairy, and so we can get grass-fed meat super oh, easy, and, like, so we, we have a big freezer. Right from the guy who's yeah. killing? Oh, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. What a hookup and that is. we get is. all the giblets and everything with it and stuff like that. But it, People don't respect all those giblets. People don't respect turkey heart, chicken hearts and turkey right. hearts. They're delicious, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And Chicken hearts are fucking delicious, man. That's what I love about uh, in Brazil. When you go to Fogo de Chão in Brazil, the Churrascaria, right. they bring out skewers of chicken hearts. And everybody was like, hey, I'm like, give them here, bitch. Give them wow. here. You fucking pussies. Yeah, scared it's of almost chicken the best heart. stuff. They're delicious. Yeah. They're, it's like a weird taste to it. It's like chewy, but not too chewy. It's tender, super nutritious. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah, it's- <laughs> Creepy. I like that. <laughs> little Little chicken heart. There's a place, you know that place at LAX. Somebody told me the the restaurant that looks like you know, like this weird futuristic the UFO tower. type yeah. looking thing. Somebody told me that that they serve crazy food there, like ants and bugs and like creepy shit now. Really? Yeah, like it's just like a fear factor. Thing. Oh, so like an international oddity sort of a right. restaurant. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah, somebody just told me that. I don't. I don't know. Why don't if it's you true. Google that shit and find out if it's yeah. true before? Maybe you they just had it. a bad health department yeah. scenario going <laughs> they on. They tried to. It was, tried it. No, no, no. We meant purpose. to have that roach. That's a part of our festivities here, where we have a. There's a lot of countries where they do eat bugs because they have to, right? It's a high source of protein. Yeah, it's really nutritious. But yeah. it's, I just had a guy that sent me a cricket protein bar from Thailand. Yo. Yeah. Cricket and, protein. Yeah, so they grow these crickets. They, they <laughs> and eat you like, ate this? It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. You're a yeah. bold man. I would not think that anybody working in a fucking cricket protein bar in Thailand would be clean and... Tidy and uh, there was sure no he- shit into the batch every now and again. <laughs> they could have, but there was no like hep A apparently. Like I didn't oh. get doubled over from anything. So, so nothing went wrong. No, no, wow. not yet. It's crickets. Why not? You know, it's funny. We're we're so weird. We eat lobsters. You know, and lobsters uh, have a lot of the same. Uh, oh, dude, they're they're just a water cricket. Yeah, it's a water yeah, roach. Big one. Yeah, it's a giant roach. Yeah. It's it actually. If you eat roaches, it's the the. If you are allergic to shellfish. And you'll, you eat roaches, yeah. you'll, you'll get fucked up. We learned that on Fear Factor the hard way. <laughs> a dude had a shellfish allergy, and he had to eat roaches. And, uh, and like EpiPen. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, had a, he had to get jacked with, uh, what is it, adrenaline they yeah. shoot you with? Yeah, yeah. epinephrine or adrenaline. Yeah. yeah. Here's, yeah. A, here's this thing called typhoon. Throat was closing in. <laughs> here's a thing. They, uh, it's called typhoon, I guess. Uh, Taiwan. Crickets. Taiwanese crickets. Amphibians. Scorpions. Larvae. But they also have empanadas. Frog legs. <laughs> Filipino just empanadas. For some, some variety, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems like they're just trying to go like super international. Look, New Zealand. They got like New Zealand food, Filipino food. Yeah, it looks like it looks yummy, man. That looks legit. Hungry. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do you have a hard time with your, your diet going to restaurants? Not really. I mean like like the uh Brazilian barbecue is a perfect example oh, yeah. they've always got tons of meat fruit veggies i mean it, it's usually pretty easy we, that, those places are so healthy yeah yeah we spent two weeks in florence italy and it wasn't hard to eat this way i mean there's always a chunk of meat there's always like some veggies so it's not that nah, it's pretty easy you uh totally avoid pastas grains 
Yeah, like I'll have a little bit of corn, like some corn tortillas. Uh, but uh, yeah, like any wheat-containing item. Like if I had some wheat, uh, your bathroom out there would be decommissioned. But do you for eat like uh, Ezekiel pasta? No, no. Like it's still – like the sprouted grains – reduce the problematic proteins that, that cause the inflammation in the gut, but they're not totally gone. So like, you know, someone like you, you might be a little more resistant to it. And you, you know, like if you had say like whole wheat pasta, we might see some problems. You have the Ezekiel type pasta. It, you don't really see the problems. Whereas for me, I would still have some problems with it. So I'm, I'm kind of like the canary in the coal mine with it. Yeah. I, I like Ezekiel, Ezekiel pasta. If you've never had it, folks, it's a, um, it's a sprouted grain. They make bread, Ezekiel bread. And it's uh, really, it's based on how it says to make bread in the Bible, apparently, which well, is kind of trippy. You know, the, uh, it's super healthy grains and legumes. If you eat them without sprouting, like they, they literally can make you sick. Like if you just took them uncooked and ate them, like it would, wheat. It would, if yeah, wheat. Yeah. It would make you sick. Yeah, nobody ever like just eats wheat. Right. And and that's why, like, it literally would make. How the sick. fuck did they ever figure out how to eat it? How hungry and desperate were people? Dude, I I don't know, but I mean, you know, how do you figure out to to like stick it in a bucket of water, let it sprout, and start smelling a little bit fermented, and then start eating it? Like, I I don't know. How do yeah. you, how do you ever eat a coconut? How do you ever eat a lobster? Well, lobsters, uh, I could see you giving it a shot, man. Yeah, you're anything probably with eating a, some bugs. Anything with a face, it's yeah. kind of like just don't eat the business end of it, and you're pretty yeah. good. Yeah, the yeah. Business end. Whichever end that may be. So yeah. it depends on which business you're talking what, about, I guess. What do so. you think about uh, an, an actual vegan diet like we, the, the China study and you know, things along the, the, those lines where people have been advocating a completely vegetable-based diet? Is that, is that bollocks? I, I think it's an improvement off the standard American diet. Like yes. Typically, people are eating more fruit, more veggies. They're more conscious about the stuff that they're eating. I just don't see people thriving on that long term. And, and what is the problem? They don't get enough protein. They don't get enough B vitamins. But they'll, be, they'll, they'll tell you, <clears throat> excuse me, crazy vegan people, I love you, but you get a little crazy. But they, they do have a point in that there are some plants that have a full amino acid spectrum, right? They have, they, they have all the amino acids. As, it's a full protein. You can, you can that, stay like alive. Quinoa, you just quinoa, don't. one of those? Yeah. It, I call them third world proteins. Uh-huh. Like you'll survive, but you won't thrive. Like what you, is the difference between them and what you get from meat? You just get such a concentrated source you know, of, of proteins from meat. And on a hormonal level, you're releasing insulin and glucagon when you eat protein. And that, that is really beneficial for energy levels, for muscle mass. <laughs> I mean, when you, when you look at most of the, the vegan athletes, particularly in the kind of bodybuilding and strength scene, they're always using like some sort of protein concentrate, like a rice protein concentrate or something. They're not just eating beans, rice, quinoa. They're not really eating whole foods. They're still eating a concentrated protein source. Right. Or they, I mean, they just fail miserably. But when they do that, when they do eat that concentrated protein source, is that sufficient? I, it, it, it'll, it'll work, but, you, you know, it's like to eat the concentrated protein from a cow or from brown rice and hemp protein. And, and for me, it's like I just do the cow because it works better, it tastes better. It works better. Yeah, it just works better. And this is... You, when, you, when, but when you say... I'm sorry to, to ask because yeah. I, my vegan friends would go crazy if I didn't. When you say it works better, have there been studies where they have shown the, a decrease in physical performance because of following a vegan diet as opposed to an inc- or, or an increase in, in a meat-eating diet? I mean, has there ever been any study done? There's some studies comparing vegetarian diets to mixed diets, and typically the performance is not as good. So, I mean, there is some 
that, that's the only studies, way they would really tell, yeah. right? Is to like get an athlete, put them on it, see what their see performance is. Get that same athlete, put them on this other diet, see how. And then, and then isn't that sort of biospecific to that one individual? It, yeah, and you know, like uh, Carl Lewis is is kind of carried around as is a vegan success. He had one year of a, of good performance, and then his performance tanked after that. And it was during a time that you would reasonably assume that he, you know, kind of like Usain Bolt, that he should continue to improve. Right. And so that, that's where like you take somebody eating a standard American diet that's super pro-inflammatory. It's tons of, you know, refined foods and everything. You put them on a vegan diet. I think they're probably going to look, feel and perform better. Like there's no doubt about that. Down the road, I just don't see people doing as well. And, and you know, it's not like you need to eat a, a boatloads of meat to round out, you know, like take, say you take this vegan diet that, that I would still put like paleo carbs in it, instead of uh, beans, rice, quinoa and stuff. I would have yams, sweet potatoes, fruits, veggies, which still have more vitamins, minerals and antioxidants per calorie. So you're still good there. And then if you throw in a little bit of eggs, a little bit of fish, a little bit of meat, like you're getting a ton of nutrition from that. You're going to build muscle. You're going to recover well. And it doesn't need to be like the whole part of the diet. That's where like the individual you know, specifics, you know, dialing this stuff in could really work. But I, I, and eggs, for folks who don't know, because I didn't even know this until I was in my 30s, which is very sad. But eggs, you don't kill anything to get an egg. A chicken lays an egg every night. It's not like if you have like a moral sort of a... Quandary. Yeah, quandary yeah. about eating animals and killing animals. That's okay, but chicken eggs like you don't have to be you don't have to fertilize those eggs they right. pop out every day everybody's fine eat the egg no one dies you, you know on, on the moral side and I, I will probably have the vegans come and kill me if anybody ever comes and kills me it's either going to be militant vegan or a religious right fanatic and those people will track me down in my house and kill me and probably decorate their house with my intestines or something. Yeah. But well, yeah. That's, yeah. You just gave them a pretty picture. <laughs> yeah, totally. These are taking their pants off right now. Yes. But, but, oh, make it so. But there was this professor that uh, did an economic analysis of meat eating versus not meat eating and this whole uh, uh, kind of moralistic um, stance, and they call it the least harm principle. Like, what could you do with regards to the food supply that's going to kill the fewest animals? And the, the vegans kind of paint this picture that if I eat beans and rice and, and quinoa and stuff, that it's somehow a bloodless affair. But tons of animals are killed in the process of farming, you know? And, and so... You mean like small animals that they get Small animals, yeah, yeah. Snakes and, and birds. And, and just the fact that the way that we do mega farming, you destroy whole ecosystems to do that. Whereas like there's this guy, Joel Salatin, who has the Polyface Farms, and they do biodynamic farming where you've got pigs and chickens and it's outside and they use solar power... That, that farm produces more food, more, more nutrition per acre than any other farm on the planet. Where is this? Where do they do it, this? Uh, New Hampshire, I think. <coughs> Polyface Farms, Joel Salatin. Cool dude. Cool dude. And what, how does he have it set up? He has it set up? So the cattle will go through and graze on grass, which is what they're designed to, do, to right. eat. They're not designed to eat grains. And you don't have to put any oil into producing grass. Like, you need to produce grains, you know? So there's that whole thing. Then after the cattle go through, and, and they put up a, a solar-powered electric fences to move these you, critters around. I'm sorry. What do you mean? Oil to produce grains? What? Yeah. What do you mean? Like... All of the farm machinery and all the infrastructure to produce. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. I, I mean, it's saying. hugely intensive okay. versus just grass just grass grows. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, or, or even, say, like fruit and nut trees. Like, they're relatively... When did they start feeding them grains? Uh, late, early 1970s, there were some fluctuations in food prices. 
and there was a desire on the part of the, the U.S. government, I, I, I think it was right at the, the end of Nixon's scene, they started dumping a bunch of subsidy money into intensifying farm production of basically like corn and soybeans and stuff like that. And they wanted to create an export commodity out of that. And when we started producing all of this, this uh, grain, like high carbohydrate stuff, we needed to do something with it, which is where we then started, you know, recommending it via things like the food pyramid that you need to eat, you know, 12 servings of, of whole grains a day and stuff like that. So it was a, a government sponsored move, which I, I'm just totally a nutcase libertarian, like I guess can't fucking stand the government coming in and, and subsidizing any industry because you end up destroying the market forces that would normally control it. So now we have a Twinkie that costs less than an apple, but it really doesn't cost less because we're paying for the subsidized production of that food via taxes and via going and acquiring oil and all these other indirect methods. So if you, you had kind of decentralized farming and you have something that looks uh, like the polyface farms where they, they grow cattle and horses and pigs, and it's all kind of a, a self-contained nutrient cycle. So the cattle go through, and then the chickens go through and move the, you know, the cow poop around. Dude, and then I've got always wanted to and... live like that. I've always thought that, that would be such a cool fucking thing to be able to buy a farm somewhere and actually have it set up like that, where you get all your food from the ground from that you place. actually live in. That would be yeah. fucking amazing. Move to Ohio. So, sounds like a pain in the dick, though. <laughs> So that's your life. It might be labor then. intensive. Yeah. So that's your life. That's that your life. your life. Forget about jujitsu class. Forget about playing pool. You got to milk some yeah. cows. You're going to get your kids involved. The kids are going to have to start working. Right. What the fuck? I don't want my kids to work on a farm. Right. Throwing hay and shit. And then a tornado comes. Carries a little Jimmy Not away. always, Brian. Farms aren't always where tornadoes are. You could have a farm in California. But I guess they do have tornadoes in California. They spotted a little one recently. Up around Chico, yeah. Yeah. I mean, shit, yeah. shit could go down. Anywhere. This whole thing is a big, fat, crazy mess. It could all fall apart. The, um, the idea of this paleo diet is, uh, to me, the most, it, 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 like, in, instantly when I heard about it, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, uh, you know I, I, I followed, I tried the Atkins for a little while, and I swear to God, it was like, it was one of the worst I've ever felt. Right. You know? I I don't know. I think eating too much Atkins is horrible, man. My ex girlfriend used to do that, and it really kind of pissed me off because it it, it, sh it it was not healthy at all. Just watching her sit there only eating cheese every day <laughs> and bacon fat. I'm just like, come on. I, I'm more of a Weight Watchers person, but I, so I, to me, it's like you just need have a little bit of everything, just right. kind of. But a good part of the Atkins diet to me was that you could eat meat and you could eat like as much vegetables as you wanted to. Right. And it's, that really is. Yeah. And, but and if the, you have somebody who's like type two diabetic, they would benefit a lot from something that looks like an Atkins diet. Like type right. two diabetes is a hundred percent. It's reversible in that you can take somebody who's not managing their blood glucose and they're on a host of drugs and they're very likely to die from like a, a heart attack, stroke, cancer. And if you feed them a ketogenic, like a, a moderate protein, high fat diet, you can shift their body's metabolism to run on ketones and they're going to live amazingly well and they're not going to bankrupt, you know, society because we're spending a bunch of money trying to manage this stuff. But for an athlete, for somebody who's not metabolically broken... I, I just like to steer people more towards like the you know fruits, veggies, yams, sweet potatoes, stuff like that for the carbs. When you carb load though, do you get the same carb load from fruits and veggies that you would if you were eating a giant plate of pasta? That's where you'd use like a yam or a sweet potato or something like that, and it's very you know it's like a one for one kind of same kinda, thing. Yeah, huh? 
Yeah. Yams are fucking delicious, too. Yeah, but yeah. meanwhile, right. if I were to go for a yam or a plate of spaghetti, I'm going to take that spaghetti because <laughs> yeah. it's yummier, and I feel like I'm getting away with something well, when I eat it. You know, the, uh, <clears throat> the wheat has some opiate-like chemicals in it that, that stimulate the addiction centers in the brain. I bet it does. Lasagna? Yeah. That's like heroin. <laughs> It's very similar, Mac man. Good cheese. lasagna when you're eating, you're like, oh, oh my God. shit. It's like some real low-level heroin. God damn. I've become addicted to trying to find the best mac and cheese. So I've every, every time I go to a restaurant, I'm like, damn it, they have one here. I have to get it. You Cracker know, just Barrel's the, pretty this, good. This yeah. motherfucker is the worst <laughs> diet of all time. Well, I, I don't have a bad diet. I just eat once a day. cigarettes and macaroni and cheese. <laughs> How could that go wrong? Eating <laughs> once a day. Yeah, I just eat once a day. Sleeps Starbucks. At least, and... at least two hours in his car. <laughs> How could any of that go wrong? It's not going to go right. Yeah, it's not going to go right. Um, If you have you ever thought about like uh, like working with uh, like big name MMA guys and getting getting together with some uh, high level fighters and organizing their food in their camps? I would love to. Like I've done some consulting for like Frank and for Forrest and stuff like that. Yeah, Frank went from a vegan diet. I should explain right to your diet and had much better results. He said he said he just really felt listless when he was on a a vegan diet, and he said I think he was. He was joking around about it. He was probably doing it wrong because uh, he was eating so much carbs that his like blood sugar just jacked right. through the roof, and he was uh, having insulin issues. Yeah, you know, just yeah. from eating pasta all the time. And, and you see that a lot with folks. And so I, I think you know if you have a somebody eating vegan and they're doing more like yams, sweet potatoes, fruits for their carbs, then they're probably going to do better. But I, I just don't see people thrive on it. But yeah, Matt I would... Danzig fights. He's a vegan, right. and he does well. Does yep. very well. He's a very skilled guy, and he's been a vegan forever. He does uh, rice protein. That's his, uh, or he did at least the last time I right. discussed it with him. But yeah, he's a very strict vegan. Yeah, and it, you know, there's also a piece to like the elite athlete scene that uh, they're sometimes not the best people to look to for what everybody should be doing because mm-hmm. I mean, there are guys out there that can eat anything and still succeed. You right. Know? So it, it's uh, you know, it's just something to tinker with. You know, uh, get in and try vegan for a month, see how you do. Try paleo for a month, see how you do, and see which one works for you. Let me tell you about my retarded theory. I think that things that are hard to catch are better for you. That's why I think deer is so good for you, and elk. There's a reason why they're running so fast. Try to get the fuck away. It's because they're they nature is set it up so they're hard to get. Exactly, fish. Right. Nature is set up so they're really hard to catch. Whereas like cows, you could walk right up to a cow and shoot it in the fucking head, and the other cows near, <clears throat> the other cows near it were like, what happened? They just keep eating their grass. Charlie's gone. <laughs> yeah, they're stupid. But even though they're delicious, it's not as good for you as say elk is. Like, elk is hard to get. It's hard to get an elk. Right. You know, they're out there running around. That's a, that's a real motherfucker out there living in the wild. And you got to go jack him. Well, if you go fully caveman, if yeah. you've got, like, a hand-thrown spear, then you might end up on the business end of yeah, the elk's horns. horns. So, yeah. Well, do you yeah. know that people are actually doing that now? That is the latest wave in hunting is spear hunting. Right. Yeah. yeah. People are trying to spear deers and shit. Good fucking luck. You're lucky that's recreational, motherfucker. You're going to starve to death. They're... There's some YouTube video of me killing a 650-pound elk with a hand-thrown spear. Holy shit. For, we, I, we did a... Where uh, is this video? A, Pull a, that shit up. There was a Discovery Channel show called I Caveman. Wow. And we got trained as cavemen and, and did this shit for, for like 10 days. And Where is this show? A, a Discovery Channel uh, uh, curiosity series. But is it on still? It's still on, yeah. Yeah, like I it, it circulates is it, around. Is it a new show or is it? It was last year. Oh, so it was like a one-off, a yeah. one, one yeah. episode? That yeah. should be a goddamn series, Discovery Channel. 
That would be fucking awesome. It, it was. The, like, they had another one. Like, uh, Morgan Spurlock hosted the one that we were on. Then Robin Williams did a, a show on drug use. And so they would get people whacked on just a variety of drugs and do, like, uh, PET scans on their brain to see wow. what was firing and everything. Yeah. And funny enough, the dude, Robert, who was on the show <laughs> with me for I Caveman, he ended up getting picked for the, uh, the, the drug show. He has a sordid past. So it was pretty cool. I would think that a show where people would be forced to actually live like a caveman would be fascinating to make your own spears and try to make yeah. your own bows and arrows. And, you know, you got nothing, man. You're just naked. Right. Just, and then we, when you want to tap out, you let us know and you can tap out and you can come back to civilization. They gave us clothes, but we had to learn how to make our own fire, make our own tools. And there yeah. was this guy, Billy, who was a, a primitive skills expert, and he could take a, a you know, big rock start whacking it and then have like a, a stone knife in like five minutes. He was amazing. Well, I wonder if we could have a show like that where there's a big prize and it's like they, they have to see like who can live the longest as a caveman. And if you could do it, you get like something crazy, like 5 million bucks. I've had this idea of like the, you know, the weight loss show, but it, so you've got people that are living this kind of caveman-esque lifestyle. They work out and they eat paleo and, you know, they get put through challenges and stuff. But instead of, like, the punishment would actually be giving them westernized refined food, not letting them sleep, making them stay up late and play video games. So basically the punishment would be living the westernized lifestyle. Because it ultimately, say, like, you have, like, a million-dollar prize or something, and it's all based on, like, body composition change or weight loss or something. But if you give them the only food to eat is shitty food and you keep them awake, and you don't let them exercise, and they're not going to lose body weight. That's a great idea. So the punishment is actually living modern life. And the only way that you could win, like the people who do it best, the way that they win is by actually avoiding the modern scenario. So if, if you can figure out some way to get that thing well, the, I going, think the oh, idea here we go. of people who work out hard, and then they get to a certain, is that it? That's it. Did they show you killing it? Yeah, if you back up a little bit, you can see me hucking the, it's called an atlatl. A little bit more. At least I think so. Depends on, yeah. I don't know, I guess more. Bring it all to the beginning. This is a, uh, this is like a teaser, I think. Maybe it's not in that one. Oh, if, if you do. There's the, this one where somebody recorded the TV. Yeah. This will actually show the throw. Dude. Holy shit. So that's me with a helmet cam in the atlas. Wow. So this is on day eight. We've had no food at all for eight days. I, really? I've lost 18 pounds. Oh, my God. So you already did this. You already lived like a caveman. This is crazy. Yeah, it was, it was, it was something else. So this is the guy that's a primitive skills expert. Super cool dude. But unfortunately, he missed. Here's an opportunity to bring home some meat, and I blew it. Rob is our last chance. The rest of us are just too far away, and these elk can spook at any moment. I was getting ready to throw my atlatl dart, and I was waiting for this elk to turn so that I had the flank and the neck all open. Be ready. Time just was stopped. It felt like the beginning of the world and the end of the world, and everything was all woven together. You got one. You got one. That one's hit. That one's hit. We got one. I got it in the neck. And I could just see it rifle in, hit the elk in the neck. The tail end of the dark whipped around and that elk oh shit sorry kill shot a kill shot wow great job the 
What an incredible shot. That's so I'm a total coward, and I knew what we were going to be getting into doing this gig. And so I started, I made my own atlatl at home like a month early, and I'd spend what, like... Explain that. What is it called? It's a, a spear-throwing device? Yeah, it's, it's got a base. If you've ever seen highlight, where you, mm-hmm. you, know, uh-huh. you throw the ball... So you've got this, this base that, that gives you some leverage, and then you've got a long, flexible dart that looks like a really flexible uh, arrow, but it, it, it's six feet long. Right. It's got a stone tip on the front. And the things, uh, what's the show where they, the, the warrior versus warrior or whatever? Like Ultimate? Ultimate. Uh, that's the one that. No, that's not Ultimate Warrior, is it? No, no it's the one that that's Jason was on. Wasn't it the one no, that. No, 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 that was the human weapon. Oh, human weapon. But, but they, they checked out an atlatl on that show. And it has as much power as a 273 round because of the weight and the, the velocity you're able the to get leverage from yeah. slinging that thing. How accurate is it? Not very accurate. So you start. just I threw it into the well, no, crowd, I, I, or did you actually aim I for aimed that thing's I aimed for that neck. one. I aimed for its shoulder, and then it went a little high, and actually it was a better shot than what I, <sighs> what I was aiming for. You must have been stoked. It was pretty amazing because I hadn't eaten anything in eight days. How the fuck did you survive after not eating anything for eight days? Dude, you... Uh, I, I lost 18 pounds, one thing, so you run off your body fat. It's amazing and, that you had the strength to throw that thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you, we, had two, we had three more days to, to go to wrap up the experiment, and I, like, I did not want to quit, and, but I, it was miserable. It was cold. That was outside of Steamboat Springs in Colorado, and the nighttime temperature was like 28 degrees. And you were sleeping outside? And we're sleeping outside on the ground. Well, we had like a hut that we had built and stuff like that, but it was fucking cold. You weren't starting any fires? Yeah, we made a fire. <coughs> like we had to make a fire with a you know, hand drill and all that. Oh, and, Jesus Christ. So yeah. how come you guys couldn't find anything to eat for eight days? Well, they stuck us up in the mountains because it was beautiful, and there was no food. Like all of the anthropologists were on the show were like, yeah, all the Native Americans in this area would be 5,000 feet further down the, the mountain. We were at almost 9,000 feet up oh, the mountain. there's not much up there. There's nothing there, and, and it was shot in June. Oh, so, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. In June at 9,000 feet, it gets 28 degrees at night? Yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. It snowed on us the first night that we were there. Oh, God. In June? Yeah. Wow. Dude, you it's killed not a, LA. You killed a fucking elk with a spear, Oddwaddle or whatever the hell it is. Atlottle. Atlottle. That's amazing, man. It was pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Elk are incredible animals, man. Yeah. When I uh, went to Evergreen, there's this crazy photo of uh, the town of Evergreen. It's beautiful. You ever been there? Yeah. Beautiful yeah. town up in the mountains above Denver. And there's, um, there's this photo on the, the town's website where it's like, I don't know, a hundred elk walking right down the middle of their mainstream, right. completely blocking traffic. It's like, holy shit. Like, <clears throat> what a cool little piece of nature. Right. That, that, that these delicious animals wander through your whole town in, by the hundreds, you know, and then make their way through the forest. There's something fucking magical about that, man. I mean, it sucks a big fat dick when it snows up there. Right. Your car's sliding around on mountain roads and all that. That's all terrible, but... Man, that just the majestic beauty of being in front of a herd of elk and watch them walk across the street. It's like, wow. Yeah, those animals were amazing. Like, yeah. they were totally amazing to behold. And I, like, when we were out there, they would spook and then run away from us. But some of the bulls would turn around, and it was kind of like, that guy is smaller than I am. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, I ain't afraid tell. of you, bitch. Yeah, seriously. And they were, apparently were not used to hunters. Otherwise, they would have run. Well, you know, where that spot was, we were coming up a hill, and the sun was coming up behind us, and the wind was blowing over the elk. So they couldn't see us yet, really. Like, the sun oh. literally was in their eyes. So uh, that was part of the reason why we succeeded that day. And then also, because it was day eight, and we had failed all the other days, 
we only had two camera crew and they were set up like 400 yards away, kind of triangulated in on where we were to get uh, distance shots. So the only local camera we had was on my head. And that's part of the reason why we succeeded too. Usually we had like six camera guys uh, stomping through the underbrush. block and the fucking, yeah. Yeah, ridiculous. That's not going to work. No. So how many different times did you actually throw that thing at an elk? I only got two shots off. So the first one went high, which they didn't show in that. And then my second one hit it. Same day. Yeah. So there was no time during the other eight days where you got a shot. Not me. Not me. Other yeah, guys Other did. people went out and had shots, but I never, I never got in a position wow, where I so had a shot. so no one found any food for the eight days or some folks I mean, like something? dandelions. Um, we, we had like four trout one day divided up around, among ten people. Oh. So, I mean, not, not a lot. Yeah. There was you, a mouse. Do you eat the – you ate a mouse? I ate a mouse. Oh, what the fuck, man? I cooked it really well oh, just in case there was like Jesus. dengue fever in it or something. Jeez, yeah. a fucking mouse? What does a mouse taste like? Well, yeah, it didn't taste good. I, I don't know an, an analogous taste. It just wasn't good. I mean, it was burnt, and you're eating the intestines, and you know you're crunching through the you skull. You ate the intestines and well, everything. It's too small to gut, so you just cook it really well, and you just start on the front end and Holy finish with the tail end. Shit! Yeah. So you just chewed it down, bones and all. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mice are pretty fast. I guess that kills that theory. Oh my god! Have you? Uh, what is that crazy dish? that it's a, a famous dish where they take little birds and they drown them in brandy. What? Ortolan. What is it called? I've I'm gonna, never heard I, of this. I have the, <laughs> uh, yeah, of course, my crazy friend Duncan turned me on to this. He claims that I turned him, and him onto it, but I think he's crazy. Um, but the idea is that they would uh, take these birds, and it was uh, some weird, ridiculous delicacy where they would um, eat it yeah, Ortolan, this is what it is. Uh, a rite of passage for French gourmets has been eating of the Ortolan, these tiny birds captured alive, force-fed, and then drowned in Armagnac, uh, I guess it's a type of cognac or something like that, were roasted whole and eaten that way, bones and all, while the diner draped his head with a linen napkin to preserve the precious aromas and, some believe, to hide from God. Whoa, That's son. pretty barbaric. Yeah. Yeah, what the fuck? That's a weird way to eat an animal. I mean, how'd they figure out how to, to make it delicious? Overfeed it and then drown it in, in, in bourbon. Booze. In booze. What, the f- what a weird animal, man. People. It sounds that. like a mafia hit. Yeah, well, the yeah. idea of you wear a hood over your head while you eat it to get the aromas. Right. Like, whoa, that's, fuck- that's just fucking weird. Leave it. Is that the French? Of course. Yeah, naturally. The creepy weirdos. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy ideas about drowning birds. Don't they make foie gras also, which is force feeding? Delicious. Yeah, yeah, more. Yeah, more. But that shit's really good. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit's legit. It's illegal now in California. Right. How's you can bring your own foie gras to the restaurant and they'll cook it for you. Oh, really? They, they can't buy it. Yeah. That's so silly. So now you've, which is another one of these market deals. <laughs> so you took something that was regulated. People kept track of it. There were some standards and some hygiene. And so now you've driven it into a black market deal yeah. where, yeah. Black yeah. market. And by the way, it's not like they're running out of goose. Right. Like we're, we're trying to protect the goose. No, you can kill the fucking shit out of goose. Right. Geese. You can kill them all day long. Geese Nobody is- cares. You just can't inflame their livers before right. you kill them. You have to be nice to them. Meanwhile, if you ever see like one of those feeding tubes where they force feed them, they hang out near that feeding Around tube. It. They want right. to get force fed. 
Like they don't have gag instincts. They just know when that thing goes in their mouth, then they're full. Right. You know, we're just we're so so weird with our what what we allow, what we don't. I mean, like you still allow veal. Like veal seems to me way crueler than a couple of seconds getting force fed with some grain. You know, veal is a tricky thing. Or just Jersey Shore. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean that seems inhumane too. So yeah. What do you do? Have you do eat veal? I, I if it's there, I do. But I mean, it's not. It's not something. Do you ever that, think about how creepy it is? It's pretty creepy. It's pretty creepy. But you just like. Fuck I mean, it. it's like Kobe beef. You know, it's all rubbed and massaged and, and you know, uh, uh, milk fed and everything. And Kobe fit, Kobe beef is like. Don't they feed it alcohol? Look at this, Joe. Pita. Oh, get a taste for oh, dude. Is that pita? Yeah. Oh, that's they're so crazy with their like connecting human beings to animals, like force feeding a and person. It, and it's grain. always quasi sexual yeah. kind of thing going yeah, on. Yeah, look, yeah. she's got like her lipstick is running and they're so silly. They're like all extremists. They're silly. You know? <laughs> yep. And one of them will probably kill me someday, so yeah. because you killed that elk with a with a yeah, even a more so now, did yeah. Did you get hate mail after you did that? Not hate mail, but there was some hate tweeting. And, yeah, uh, yeah. People and there was were a, upset at you. Yeah, and there was a woman who. Why was Why are people upset? And meanwhile, they're probably meat eaters. You know, the funny thing is, there was a woman who's a cartoonist who is a meat eater, but thought that it was appalling that I hunted an animal. <sighs> and I was kind of like, okay, that's so you dumb. Know, it, it, and it's not like I, I was sitting, you know, a quarter mile away with a, a sniper scope. Yeah, like I was out on my feet. This animal could have stomped me into a, a bloody, you know, mess if yeah. it wanted to. So. It's about as equal a, an exchange as you're going to get. That's some real shit. You, yeah. you went to war with an animal. Right. With some shit you made. Right. Right. Yeah. No, yeah. I think you win. I think that lady can shut her fucking hole. <laughs> shut your hole, lady. Silly See you bitch. next Tuesday. Yeah, it's so <laughs> shut dumb. Your meat She's, hole. But it's so dumb if you eat meat. If you actually eat meat, would you prefer your pig to be stuffed into some fucking crazy container and live its life in its own shit until it finally gets slaughtered? You know, is that is that somehow or another better if or you're do not you play involved? Some role in, yeah. 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 It's so weird. We're the, the we're the strangest animal with this anti hunting but pro meat thing. Right. It's like you're not gonna stop people from eating meat. You could go crazy PETA all you want, you go crazy vegan all you want. For a lot of people that's Blah, 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 in and out is delicious, you know? Barbecue is too fucking good. Right. Tastes too goddamn good. A a real good ribeye, medium rare, over mesquite coals. Shut your fucking mouth with your quinoa. It's not as good. I'm sorry. It's just not. It's not. Well, and that's why the vegans are always trying to make fake meat. Yeah, they're silly. So The fake chicken and shit like that. The tofurkey. Yeah. The, the, the thing about it is like, I, I, yeah, it seems like we should evolve past that. It seems like we shouldn't be about cruelty. And it seems like we shouldn't be. A, but what is, what is the least cruel thing? The least cruel thing is to have an animal live its whole life completely wild and free. And you take it out with a bullet. Right. And then no one doesn't know what the fuck is going on. It just hears a, a branch snap. And it's Boom. done. Right. One through the heart, and that's a wrap, son. I mean, that's a, that's a quick death. That is a lot better than a cow living on a farm. Yet people have a problem with people hunting, and they don't have a problem with you eating at Burger King. Right. That's, that is strange. People are strange. We get think- really weird when, once we uh, got uh, agriculture and we got the ability to have a surplus. We got the ability to store things. Yeah, I mean, it, it starts, it, I, I think when you were still running farms, you were still tied into food because you had to go out and kill your food and yeah. like you, you know, there was a little more tie to it. But, um, you know, when you walk into a grocery store and kids really don't understand that plants grow in the dirt, it, you know, that 
you know, that corn or, you know, an apple or whatever grew from a plant that's in the dirt. They, they don't even realize that. And then when you go to the meat deal and you understand what's involved with killing and processing an animal, like, it's pretty gruesome shit. You it's know, it's, it's no joke. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's no joke. Do we have to be concerned with a lack of minerals in the topsoil? You know, I've, I've read uh, people have uh, d- discussed whether or not it's healthy to be trying to replenish them with chemicals and whether or not there's supposed to be like a natural cycle of like leaving right. certain areas alone for a while and then planting them in the future. Could, could I answer that after taking a leak? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw you turning. I, th- I saw I'll, it. I'll be right go, back. Go through that door and... Uh, the last door on the left. Okay. Notice, ladies and gentlemen, how strong my bladder is. Yeah, that's not good for you to, to hold what, it. What, to have a strong bladder? To hold it. I used to hold it all the time. Now I try to go. Each, the second I feel like, oh, I might have to pee, I try to go. Because I used to hold it for long periods of time. And but my bladder, it doesn't hurt me. No, so but it, it just... doesn't bother me. If you, keep, if you do that over time, you're going to have a hard time holding your pee in when you get older. What? Yeah. Dude, when I have a hard time holding my pee in, I'm not down with that. But I don't, I don't agree with that. I think you that's don't? silly. No. I You've think, never heard that before? No. If it bothered me a lot, I would go pee. Yeah. But it's not really. I can just hold it longer. Mm. I drink a lot of water, too. Maybe it's I'm used to it. Maybe I have a more stretched out bladder. No, I mean, I, could, I t- totally just could never pee all day. I could pee once a day if I wanted to, I think. Only once a day? I used to hold my pee a lot because of <laughs> jobs that I worked at. Louis C.K. had a funny bit. You ever hold your pee because you're just so bored? <laughs> He wants to concentrate on something. I forget the actual joke, but it's so true. It's so bored, you're just holding in your pee. <laughs> and tomorrow's uh, podcast with uh, Maynard is going to be ridiculous. Yeah, it's gonna be, I wonder if he's going to bring some of his wine. I want to try it. Yeah, oh yeah, I find great. that amazing. I, I, I think that is just one of the most uh, uh, I mean, original things that a rock star has ever done. You know, call him a rock star, musician, artist. Just decides to become a winemaker. I think that's amazing. I'm really. I love the idea behind it. Just decides, you know, growing it on his own farm. I mean, it's a small operation. Yeah. They grow the grapes, the whole thing, the whole process. I think that's amazing, man. I'm really, really interested with. I don't know if I talked about this about Francis Ford Coppola's uh, daughter, Sophie. Sophia Coppola. Sophia Coppola. Uh, her wine uh, company is pretty cool what she's doing with it she's doing something that uh that i i think is pretty unique and i i'm actually i'm i'm, I'm on board 100 uh, percent. she's selling little portable wine in in cans like like pop cans <coughs> and they're like like the small cokes if you're by the small yeah. coke cans they're like in that or she has this other one where it's like this little little wine glass that just has a peel off uh thing and it has like a resealable uh lid for it and it's just like completely like the opposite of what you're supposed to drink wine. You're supposed to be, yeah, the high yeah. end like wine. It's like like a new version of portable it, box wine. Doesn't her father, Francis Ford Coppola, doesn't he have a vineyards like a very famous vineyard? Yeah, that's where she she's doing her own thing. I don't know if it's at the same vineyard or not, but that's kind of that's kind of smart. Yeah, but uh, she does everything her dad does. That's right. a good move. And your dad's Francis Ford motherfucking Coppola. Then you can do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. why not? I want to make some portable wine, bitch. Yeah. But when you look at the economy and everything, I mean, instead of driving towards the top end and you make some cheap, 
you know, box wine style stuff, but Might in a different a delivery move. deal. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for a lot of people, there's not that much difference between a $30 bottle of wine and a $5 bottle of wine. Right, you know? especially after the first bottle. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. especially <laughs> after the first few sips. If you're a sommelier and you're hammered, you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Right. Let's be honest. Right. How bad is alcohol for you? Uh, I mean, it, the, the poison's all in the, the dose. So, I mean, I have a couple of drinks a day. And, and, you know, not too bad. And I stick more with, like, NorCal margaritas, just, like, tequila, You drink lime a couple juice. drinks every day? Yeah, usually. Really? You're an animal. Yeah. You don't but give a fuck. It's wild. It's crazy. Oh, health and nutrition, <laughs> and you drinking a, a, two drinks a day? Probably. Yeah? Yeah, one to two. Ooh. Yeah. But that's it, no big deal? I, I don't think that that's all that big of a deal. If I was in training camp for something, then I would ditch it. Obviously, you know, you need to tighten stuff up. But if you're doing you know, six, eight drinks a night or, you know, multiple times a week, obviously that's a problem. So, I mean, it's just kind of a dose response curve. You know, if you're on that, if you're a, a dude, then you can probably get away with a drink or two a day and it's it probably helpful in the long run, but um, for, for a female, a little bit less than that. But How is it helpful? Is it helpful because you relax? Is it because you have the drink? Is it helpful? I, I because think is you, there anything in the I, alcohol? I think it's that stuff. You know, you relax. There's usually some socialization that goes on. Uh, uh, there's some stuff in the alcohol. It's interesting, like just being uh, exposed to a stress. There's this process called hormesis, where like when you exercise, you get some damage to the muscles or, or to the cardiovascular system, and your body needs to adapt to that. And it's actually the process of adapting that's good for you. And alcohol causes some damage to the body that then it needs to respond to. And there's some kind of beneficial, you know, elements to that. I had a crazy idea when I was younger. It's a stupid idea, but it was like, if you smoke cigarettes, maybe they make your lungs stronger because they have to fight off the That's cigarette right. smoke. I really did you think You just got that. to quit when you're about 40. When I was uh, in one. wrestling, one of the best kids on our wrestling team was a smoker. And I was worried about that. That's Sophia's little wine. Yeah. See, it's like kind of well, selling yeah, it like a, you know, like a, a can of beer. Selling it like a hand job. All you're seeing is her hand in the water. You're thinking, slippery why are we outside Booze. what are you doing you're jerking me off <laughs> stop you shouldn't do this this is your dad's house yeah she can't afford francis for coppola's yeah. house no less yeah. so Jesus yeah christ people are watching there must be cameras yeah um so one or two drinks a day no problem yeah yeah just and, uh, and i would steer people more right towards... now went yes Woo! because no one ever hears that everyone hears alcohol is terrible for you yeah and it's not i mean the, when you it, <laughs> You know, they try to demonize a lot of stuff, whether it's red meat or booze or whatever. Like, because I'm, you know, like the gluten-free deal, and I love beer, but beer's loaded with gluten. So, yeah, like, so how do you it, do that? So I don't drink beer. You don't like, drink it, beer. You got to go mess. margaritas yeah, or something. margaritas, Vodka. and, and uh, I've been doing cider. Like, after we spend some time in Northern Europe, like, they do some amazing ciders. So I do some of that stuff. Mm. So I wonder if it's – I get a real weird, heavy feeling from beer that I don't get from other things. When I, ha- when I have a, a, a couple of glasses of whiskey, I get a little – I get drunk, but I don't get that, like, ugh. The bloat. Yeah. yeah. You, you yeah. never drink light yeah. beers, though. You always drink, like, the Heineken. It tastes and, like ass. Sam son. Adams. Well, yeah, I mean, dark beer is really the only way to go, but it's got the most kind of gnarly stuff in it, too. Yeah, so. like Guinness. Love that stuff. A lot of bad shit in there, half though. Half and half. Not good mm. for you. Mm. Mm. <laughs> oh. Hey, you guys want some half and half? So go get one. You want to get one right now? Yeah. All right, go get some drinks. Okay. I'll sure. do it. Fuck it. Like uh, some something okay. with clear booze. I'll, yeah, I'll have something to pass with, on it. Get something with clear booze. Huh? Okay, I'll get yeah. some clear booze. Is the, is the bar open? I don't know what time is it. It's only five fifteen. Uh, maybe. The fuck are you doing? You're I'll promising see. shit you can't deliver. I'll see if I can get some. Um. So what about coffee? A uh, dig coffee. 
Yeah. Like it, and uh, when you look at the epidemiology, probably the more you drink, the better. Some people the more in, you drink. Yeah, coffee, I mean, it, it's like three, four cups a day. Now the problem is that usually people don't drink espresso or straight coffee. They're usually dumping a bunch of sugar in it. So that's kind of the the caveat with it. But uh, it decreases diabetes rates. There you go. Drink my. You just drank your diabetes better. away. Yeah, yeah. Really, it loose. What say that again about diabetes? Decreases diabetes rates. Decreases cardiovascular disease rates. Like it's good. It's good stuff. Wow. Yeah. But you, now let's take that. Let's say you're a police or firefighter and you're working night shift and you're working out like crazy and you're using caffeine to like drive a lifestyle that is totally <coughs> over the top, then it's not necessarily good. It's going to, it's going to get into some adrenal fatigue. Your adrenals are the, you know, the hormones that uh, release cortisol and it deals with stress and you can completely bomb that whole system out. And then you can drop testosterone levels and drop your immune function. That happened with a friend of mine. He, he quit coffee for that very reason. His yeah. adrenals started failing. Right, right. So you can overdo it in that regard, but it, it, it's kind of like lifestyle plus, bad lifestyle plus too much coffee is bad. But if you have a lifestyle that's a little bit you know, more sedate, like when we go on vacation, I can drink coffee all day long and it doesn't phase me. When I'm working and I've got deadlines and stuff and I've got that base level of stress, then I can't do much coffee. That's like interesting a day. because that's when a lot of people would think that you would need it. You're stressed out. You need, you need some energy. Then you take the coffee. But yeah. No. I, uh, that's when you could overdo it. Interesting thing. Like if you, uh, uh, for more cognitive type stuff, like writing or trying to cr- do creative work, doing nicotine gum. Yeah. I've phenomenal. heard of that. Yeah. That's crazy. It's amazing. That's one of the things that uh, Stephen King said he missed about smoking. He said the synaptic responses when he was writing, it would be like much improved with, with cigarettes. Yeah. And it, the, Nick, the big if that's problem. That's the right with, way to say it, synaptic responses. Yeah, Is that what's yeah, going on when yeah. you're writing? Yeah. You know, just, just making connections and stuff. And yeah. ideas and yeah, creativity. Totally. And so nicotine gum can make you creative. Yeah. And, and, like, there's good studies showing that uh, uh, nicotine is preventative against Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. It's supposed and, to be good for your heart, too, right? Yeah. That's ridiculous. But you've got to remove the delivery system, which is tobacco. Well, which is so, 590 different chemicals right, jammed in In tobacco. addition to all that stuff. Yeah. 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 I did a thing once. Uh, it's me and uh, my friend Adam Ferrara. He, he used to smoke cigarettes. I don't know if he still does. He's a comedian on that uh, TV show, um, Top Gear in the yeah. United States. Yeah, yeah. We did a thing together a long time ago, like this play thing, and I had to play this uh, poet who was like like completely full of himself and smoked all day and smoked like a like a Frenchman, like right. smoked backwards. And I only smoked like four or five cigarettes while we were rehearsing this day, and I I had to quit. I said I can't do this part. I can't do it, man. I'm, I feel like I'm gonna throw up. Right. Like I can't smoke a cigarette. Like the, the whole thing was I'm supposed to be smoking the whole time. Like how the fuck do you guys do this? Like this is nuts. Like, you're poisoning the shit. Like, I felt like I was becoming a vampire. Like, right. I felt it taking over me. I'm like, no, 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 no. You got to take these back. What a, what a madness, you know? Yeah. I mean, when you look at tobacco, like, when, whenever it hits somewhere, it spreads fast. And it sticks pretty hard. Well, the, so. real, the real madness is how many people fucking die from it. And yet, it's still so prevalent. And right. even amongst young people in 2012... The internet out there, for whatever reason, there's this weird romantic pull towards self-destruction through use of tobacco. It's right. re- really fucking strange to me. You ever read uh, Malcolm Gladwell's books? Um, was his the tipping point? I think it was the, the tipping point, but he, he talked about the fact that if you try to demonize something and make it not cool, that 
kids are going to gravitate towards it even course. more. Of course. Yeah. Of course. It, yeah. 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 Well, anything their parents don't want them to do. Get the fuck away it. from me. They just want to like stop telling me what to do, you cocksucker. And right. Give me that cigarette. Oh, my dad's an asshole. <sighs> yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. But that hopefully can be avoided. Sorry, the bar was closed, so I couldn't get any clear drinks. No problem. No problem. But I have vodka and ice if you want that. Yeah, I because otherwise it's only us okay. drinking. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to drink this Guinness with pride now, knowing it's actually good for me. Sort of, kind of, but not the wheat. Yeah, if we could figure out some way to make it without wheat then, uh, or What's, barley. And it's just, just shitty for your body. What is the, the best alcohol? Is there a, a better alcohol to drink? Just anything clear, like vodka, clear. tequila. Whiskey now? Whiskey. Whiskey's yeah. clear? Yeah. I mean, it just, it, you know, I mean, uh, it doesn't okay. have sugar. It right. doesn't have gluten. So, holy cats. Wow. What is that in there? It's vodka. a whole lot of vodka. Vodka? Uh-oh. <laughs> Trying to get him fucked up, man? Um, does marijuana have any adverse effects on performance? Yeah, I mean, it's going to impact lung function to some degree. If you really go to town on marijuana, it's got enough of a phytoestrogenic effect that you can suppress testosterone. Like when that old like wives' tale about dudes growing tits because they smoke too much weed? Is yeah. that like their diet? It's you can't grow diet. tits, can you? You can't grow tits, but you, you, can, you can suppress testosterone production. How much do you have to be smoking to do that? You smoke a lot. Like I mean, pounds. a lot. Yeah. You got to go yeah. crazy. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, pot's another. It, it, it's interesting when in contrasted with, say, like tobacco, you don't see the same type of uh, uh, emphysema. You don't see the same type of, like, carcinogenic effects, even though you've got all. I mean, you're creating a ton of different chemicals. Um, when you burn something, you make these things polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons, these, you know, soot particles that get in between DNA and can cause problems. When you look at the research on, on marijuana use, you just don't see the same types of things pop, popping up. Now, for a, a hard-charging athlete, I think that you would probably be better <coughs> off if you want to have a, a relaxing evening, like making some brownies or something like that. Like, the, right. the delivery system is going to change the effects a lot, for sure. Well, the deliver- <clears throat> del- delivery system changes the effects, but it's also vaporizing, which right. is the same sort of delivery system, very similar delivery right. system, but you're just getting like the THC vapor and you're not getting all the carbon. Other goodies, yeah. All the burnt shit. Right. They say that marijuana smoke is actually an expectorant and it's good for cleaning out lungs. Like if you've got some shit in your lungs and you smoke some weed, but that could just be pot talk. Um, there's some stoner. stuff like mullen. Also, which is, is used for that. I, I could see that to some degree. But what is mullen? It, it's, a, it, it's a actually a North American herb, like traditional um, Native American kind of medicine, stuff like that. Weed. Um, has some other benefits, but yeah, it's, it's a, it, it, in folklore, it's used as an expectorant as well. Yeah. Now, what about like Advil and ibuprofen and non-steroidal anti-inflammatories? Are those dangerous for your body? They're super dangerous. Really? It, 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 each year, thousands of people, I, I don't know, like a, a, it'd be easy to do a doctor Google on that, but see you know, how many deaths there are each year due to uh, NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory overdoses. And, wow. and there's some really fucked up stuff, like uh, with um, Vicodin, they, they pair Vicodin with acetaminophen, Tylenol, with the express purpose so that people don't take more of it to get like a, a narcotic effect because it will cause liver damage. And there are thousands of people that end up dying, but, you know, inadvertently because they may have a drink and then they take some Vicodin, which you're not really supposed to do. But the acetaminophen makes the whole thing so much more toxic, like they're, they're literally killing people 
and to no better effect versus taking, you know, if somebody has some legitimate pain, just taking some opiates is going to be really powerful on that. May not want to stay on that forever because the stuff's super addictive and has all kinds of other side effects. But a lot of our, our kind of uh, drugs policy, even on the orthodox, you know, over-the-counter side is really goofy. And the stuff is, is dangerous. Like, there are a lot of people who will work out, get sore, take NSAIDs to go work out again. It, it, what is NSAIDs? It, non-steroidal, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. And it's, it's bad on a lot of levels. One of them, you know, I mentioned the hormesis before, like the adaptation to exercise. If you take NSAIDs in, in conjunction with exercise, you're blocking some of the adaptation. So it's that same thing. It's kind of like, you know, exercising and, and missing sleep. Like you're not going to adapt to the exercise the way that you want to. to get so if you benefit. have a backache and you take ibuprofen, you're actually fucking yourself. <clears throat> you're fucking yourself out of some potential healing. Yeah, it, it, you know, but it's tough. Say, so like, I, I tweaked my back a number of years ago. I used to compete in powerlifting. And one time I did something wrong. My SI joint got tweaked and, like, I couldn't stand up. Like, I was totally, you know, bent over, sideways, twisted up. And so taking some ibuprofen then can relax the muscles a little bit. It brings the inflammation down. But you use it in acute fashion. You use it for, like, you know, a day or two for a specific problem instead of what folks do, which is basically staying on it continuously. So that those people are fucking themselves. They're, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. you're poisoning yourself. Yeah. What about for athletes? Is there a negative effect of it that oh, you, is the, shown in camps? And uh, <clears throat> there's problems with not he, uh, uh, increased tendon ruptures because the the tendons don't heal, uh, decreases cardiac output. So there's a lot of reasons for not using it, and for just you know like taking some fish oil, getting your vitamin D levels up by either being out in the sun or supplementing with vitamin D. Um, smart training, periodizing your training a little bit, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I've never heard that, that ibuprofen was so bad. That's so important. That's such uh, important uh, information. I had always felt like it can't be good, but I, I, did, I had no idea it was that bad for it, you. It's really, it, it, and it's, you know, it's very powerful for like an acute injury. So you tweak your back, you roll an ankle or something, and it really suppresses inflammation very powerfully. So use it then and use it then only. Yeah, yeah. Use it, you know, like one dose to try to knock inflammation yeah. down. So when people, you know, when people say, oh, I have a headache, give me those things, and they just pop them all the time. It's a horrible idea. Okay, yeah. very important. I have a lot of friends who could benefit from that information. Yeah. Um, what should you take when you have inflammation? Is there any sort of a, a dietary remedy, or is there anything that you could replace ibuprofen with that's a good anti-inflammatory that's actually beneficial or healthy fish oil and vitamin d just keeping those levels just those up. two yeah. fish oil really does work for yeah. folks who don't know i mean if you've ever had joint pain you know in jujitsu a lot of guys get elbow pain you're always like fighting off arm bars and kimuras and stuff and your your joint can tweak a lot yeah neck cranks fish oil makes a fucking tremendous difference a real difference between me walking around in no pain or me walking around like eh, what's that you know right you really feel a difference. I mean, it sounds crazy that you're actually like lubing your joints. Right. But that really is what's going on. Yeah. And you get a lot of mileage out of fish oil. Vitamin D is really, really important. And I, How much fish oil should you take a day? Two to four grams, which isn't a ton. But, uh, you know, two to four a, grams. So when you have a milligram, you should take 10 of those or 100 milligrams? A, a thousand milligrams is a gram. Right. So yeah. 10. That's what I take. I take 10 a day, 10 of the uh, 100 milligrams. Oh, really? Okay, so they yeah. must be really small. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's so going to be like that's one. That's one gram. Yeah, yeah. Um, you take two grams? Yeah. Wow, you're an animal. But you take two, two, 20 how many capsules is that? I, I bet capsules. yours are 1,000 milligrams. I bet they're a one-gram so? capsule. So if yeah. they are, then it's how many for uh, two, two to four of those grams. is plenty. 
Then oh. each, if, but if, for a thousand milligrams, how it's many? It's one gram. Oh, it is one gram. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, I'm going off, dude, because yeah. I'm, I'm taking ten of those. You travel a lot and stuff. You're probably so it's fine. probably good. Yeah, makes yeah. a difference, man. When yeah. I don't do it, it sounds ridiculous. I take five in the morning and five at night, but when I don't do it, I feel a difference. You take it with food, though, right? Always. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, something that I do uh, that I just incorporated because someone told me that you said this. I don't even know if you really said this, but uh, I, I have a kale shake every morning, and I start incorporating some fat into it. Oh yeah, yeah. To uh, to absorb the vitamins better. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah. I use coconut oil. Is that good? That's great. Yeah. That I'm still not a fan of shakes usually, but yeah, it, 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 it tastes like dog shit. But I eat them, man. Have some bacon and eggs. Nope. <laughs> nope. Bacon and eggs like, is just as good. You like kale shakes? I do. I like the way it makes me feel, man. I, I, I feel I, it's one thing when I when I blend like uh, kale and cucumber, and I use a big chunk of um, uh, ginger and four or five cloves of garlic. I've been going with five lately, really? and then uh, pineapples, the new fruit. I used to use pears, and then the coconut oil. And I'm telling, man, it's so it feels so ridiculously nutritious. Like right when I eat it, my body's like, whoa! First of all, the garlic and the ginger alone just makes your whole body go, whoa! <laughs> It's like sends a message like, holy shit, we, we're delivering some fucking all, all exits open. Goods. <laughs> I tried to make it, Joe. I, I couldn't do it. Hey, you're not as good a man it's, when it comes to no, I, eating I terrible, hate, disgusting I shit. Hate, yeah, I hate ginger, and it was just too thick. And Dude, your poop, though, oh, my God. I've never been, I've never enjoyed pooping more in my life. It's like it becomes <laughs> It, uh, it would event. be epic. You would be like a goose yourself at that point. It becomes so. an event. Yeah. Because I eat normal at night, but that's how I start off every day. We <clears> are <throat> live. I started doing this because of uh, Kevin James. Kevin James did this movie called uh, Here Comes the Boom, where he plays an MMA fighter. It comes out in October, and he lost 80 pounds for this movie. And the way he lost it was by – he went on a totally vegan diet. Um, and he the first thing he did every day – but he had a chef prepare him food all day long while he was you know in training right. for this movie. So he didn't have to make any choices. Any it was it. all in yeah. front of him. This is what you're going to eat for dinner. Here's your snack. Everything is – so – Food was just falling off him, but the beginning of every day is a kale shake, and he's like, "You got to just choke it down." The benefits of it that are spectacular. You don't, you don't agree with that? I, I would go more for like bacon and eggs and a why is that double espresso? That it sounds it, awesome. I love this guy. I'm you, changing every. I'm going back. You, you know that whack of protein just releases a bunch of dopamine in the brain. You're happy. You're centered. You're focused. The the uh, the caffeine releases dopamine. So, like, bacon and coffee. When you feel bacon love. Bacon and eggs and coffee is good. When you feel love. Like, you look at. I tell you, Joe. I've been doing it for the longest time. You look time. into your wife's eyes and you feel love. You're feeling dopamine. Right. And so, like, <clears throat> bacon and coffee release dopamine. So, bacon and coffee are love. So, Whoa. Yeah. That's incredible. Bacon and coffee are love. It totally makes sense why they're so delicious. Like, there's an emotional connection to them. As yeah. with chocolate, right? Right. <clears throat> right. There's an emotional connection to the foods as well. Bacon and coffee so are love. Tr- try, try one month of bacon, eggs, and coffee, and then try one month of kale shake and let me know. But doesn't the kale like shake, better. isn't like the nutrients like really important? Like the, the, the nutrients you get from kale shakes, I mean, they make me feel great. I yeah. fucking love it. I mean, it, again, I'm going like to keep eating it for the poop give, alone. Give it a whirl. Give, give it a, sure, give it try a it shot. Try it out for one but, month. But, I mean, so. you don't need all those vitamins in the kale. You don't need all those vitamins in the celery and the cucumber that and the garlic. All, and the all great, but, I mean, you could, you could get that with a salad later. And, and you know, it's it, like if you Just get some, as good? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So in, in just throw some salad, you know, in olive eating oil this on it giant and, bundle of vegetables ground down to, like, a, a liquid. Right. I'm not like benefiting myself and having all those extra nutrients. You 
are, but it, so the fact that you put coconut oil in there is good because a lot of people make all that stuff low fat and a right. lot of the, the phytochemicals, a lot of the antioxidants only dissolve in fat. So when you put that, it, it's kind of like doing an extract. So but just with, a regular salad is not good enough. You have to have some, like a good you, like ranch dressing or something. Or olive oil or something, yeah. You but have not to with put blue fat cheese. on it. Ranch dressing. Not with wings. <laughs> that absorbs friends. more nutrients out of the wings. Of, um, so you really do need some fat with you in your dressing if yeah. you want to absorb all the nutrients of your salad. That's yeah. amazing. You know, because people always say, "I want the low fat, low fat right. this and low fat that." And they're not getting nutrients, and all that the nutrients way. are just shushing in and out. And wow. like before, I had to take a leak. You asked me about like minerals and stuff like that, and mm-hmm. it, it's a, a bunch of the things that you would normally be able to get out of food is is it, you know it's enhanced the way you absorb it if you have some fat with it. That's amazing. So when people just eat a regular salad, just straight lettuce and greens, you're, you're really fucking yourself. You really should have something. You should have something with it. Either eat some Almond meat with butter, it. some meat, chicken, yeah, yeah, something. Yeah. Something fatty. So you need right. something fat. So if wow. you're vegan, then you would throw some almond butter in it. You'd have some coconut oil in it or something like that. And if you just eat vitamins on their own, it's useless. Like just vitamins in an empty stomach doesn't really work, right? You don't absorb them as well? And like, like I, what percentage do you think you would absorb? Oh, you know, I mean, your pee done? still turns right. fluorescent, so I mean, you're still absorbing it with, with that regard. But the vitamins definitely work synergistically with a lot of the products in food. So and I think it's smarter to just proteins. take it with that. Yeah. So you get some sort of an effect if you take it on an empty stomach, but a very minimalized. Yeah, and you know, much less effective. Stomach upset would yeah. be one. That's a possibility. big one. Yeah, I, yeah. I want hard pills, especially like compacted multivitamins right. or something like that. Would, yeah, you might be passing a nugget. Rocks. So would nuts yeah. and salad be better than say ranch dressing, full on ranch dressing? You know, ranch nuts. dressing is delicious, especially with bacon. Yeah. Bits, so well, yeah, well, this uh, motherfucker's trying to lose weight though. He doesn't want that ranch dressing. What no, should he? What should he do? I mean, to lose nuts weight? though aren't nuts high in fat? Supposedly, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. That'd be a good option. Too. Raw nuts, especially, right? Yeah, because you tend not to overeat them. It's that palatability thing again. So if you roast them and salt them, they taste better, and you can uh, eat yeah, that's more. That's right. You go yeah. off. Yeah, that's true. I don't eat raw almonds nearly as like uh, as much as you, those those ones when they're smoky. Yeah, those smoky almonds. What I don't know what that smoky shit is. It's it's yum. It's, it it's yum. smoky yum. <laughs> it can't yeah. be good for you. <clears throat> so there's no need for kale shakes. Is this what you're telling me? Because I've been I've been living off this. Sh- I mean, for months. if you like it. Definitely go for it, but you know, I, I think some of the the mixed green, um, you know, foods can be kind of cool. But it, it's some uh, dude just walked in. Why don't you lock the door, son? <laughs> Shit's ridiculous. Somebody just walked in. We have a non-secure studio. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Normally, always secure. Um, so, I, so you don't need all those nutrients, and how much vegetable uh, nutrients do you need in a day? If you're, if you're going to eat, like, bacon and eggs for breakfast. Now, here's the deal. Like, bacon and eggs for breakfast, because people usually whine about, you know, I don't have time. I, mm-hmm. You know, I, I need to get stuff done quickly. So I, I call it, like, the meat and nuts breakfast, where it's basically, like, some eggs, some bacon, some, you know, like, some turkey with some almonds or something like that. So it's quick. It's easy. You get a dose of dopamine, you get, you know, your hormones kind of balanced going right out of the gate. If somebody's a hard-charging athlete, they're probably going to need to throw some carbs <laughs> in it. I'm, I'm just saying, like, general. So you know, if you're going to work out America. later in the day. You might want to start with, like, some fruit or, like, some yams or some sweet potatoes or, or something like that with this. But that first meal, if you make it mainly protein and fat, you have good rock-solid energy level. Um, I usually train at noon, like if I'm able to get into jits at, at noon, then I eat at either one or two, and so I'll eat lunch then. So I usually do like that. that so protein. what do you do for breakfast? 
breakfast is usually bacon and eggs or bacon or and eggs, and then like you go that. train. A, a couple hours later, four hours later, I train with carbs. And bacon and eggs. Post workout, I I eat like a giant sweet potato, like mega sweet potato with some protein, and I've got some veggies. And then my dinner is a little bit of protein with like a metric ton of veggies and then some fat. So like I'm doing like a boatload of like cooked veggies or like a, a salad or something. So I'm getting all the veggies kind of at the end of the day with a bunch of fat. I'm streamlining my, my breakfast, but I'm getting enough protein in the morning so that my energy level is good, my blood sugar is good and all that stuff. And then I'm recovering from training by doing some post-workout carbs. And say like if I'm doing, when I start doing jits because I'm old now and just beat down and everything, I'm not really doing much else. I might lift weights a little bit or do a little gymnastics, but I'm not really needing a lot of glycogen repletion between workouts. But if you had somebody that was doing multiple sessions a day, then you just start doing more carb repletion feeds. So, you know, breakfast would be protein and yams and sweet potatoes and fruit. So you, you throw down the carbs based on what you're kind of what glycogen you're burning in your workouts. I've never heard anybody advocate bacon and eggs for breakfast with, with coffee. Sounds like a heaven. It seems too good to be true, man. What about mm-hmm. potatoes? Are they are they good? Bad? Great, great post workout. Post workout because you're the carbohydrate sugar density. And, yeah, but but not good just as a meal. Not good like you're eating dinner with you right. know a steak and potatoes. The potatoes not right. good. Yeah. What is what is wrong with potato as opposed to like sweet potato? Is well, it, it, it you know any fiber. Of, uh, Less nutrients, but, you know, again, it's a little bit specific to the person. Somebody like you that's lean and athletic and doing a lot of activity, then for dinner, a a piece of meat with a baked potato or a sweet potato, that's fine because you've got the activity level where you need that that level of carb intake. Somebody that's trying to lose some weight and they maybe have some, some insulin dysregulation, like their blood sugars go high and low, their insulin goes high and low, they would probably be better off not having that. So it, it's a, folks want to paint like a kind of a, a one size fits all picture, but it's very specific. You know, it's like, are we talking about a metabolically broken type two diabetic? Are we talking about an athlete? Are we talking about just kind of a, a recreationally active stay at home mom? You know, so it's really important to consider who are we talking about? What are their goals? What are they working towards? And that will steer the boat both with regards to their training and also their nutrition. Yeah, I've also I've always felt that with with athletics that there's a reason why when you have a heavy weightlifting workout you crave meat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a very distinct craving. If you're a meat eater, if you're the type of person who eats meat, when you work out right away, like you right when it's over, that. you want a fucking steak, right. you want a burger, you want some. Your body's saying, "Give me some meat, bitch." Right. Right. It's probably an instinct that I mean, your your your, your muscles in your body are probably sending a message, right? Yeah, and it, it's a great way to stabilize your blood sugar. You eat some protein, and that is going to be a slow-release glucose into your system because your body can convert the amino acids into glucose. Like, kind of the ideal thing is, like, a pretty good whack of protein with a little bit of carbs. Should it, you, it just keeps things nice. Should you not drink water while you eat? You know, it, it's not a bad idea, and it, it's a little bit lunatic fringe, but uh, you dilute the digestive enzymes a little bit, and I, I think that you probably have better digestion without you know liquids during the meal so like it, and part of it too you notice when people drink liquid with their meal they just kind of gum their food once or twice and then they take some water and like shoot it down Swash and they're down. yeah their eyes bulge because it's like a python swallowing like a, a swamp rat or something it is true people chew less we're so yeah. lazy we'd rather drink water with it than to shoosh it down yeah yeah <laughs> people are so fucking stupid 
so it's better to not have water with it and to chew your food up really well. Totally. When yeah. you wake up, now uh, Mike Dolce says you wake up, you should have like eight ounces of water before you do anything. Just I think to, like, that's smart. Yeah, start e- the even process. More. Yeah, I mean, more? even more than that. And How I much usually, water do you drink a day? I don't know. You know, when I get up, I usually do almost a quart of water. I, I actually a quart heat of it. water. Yeah, wow. and I, I, I do maybe half of it, you know, in a pretty good shot. You and heat then it. Yeah, because it, it, that stimulates like the digestive stuff. So I'll, I'll do that. How get, hot? Not super hot. I mean, it just just like warm, tea? so it's not like you know frozen cold. Because I'm getting it out of the filter, out of the fridge. I'll pop it in the microwave and heat it up just a little bit, you know, so it's like room temperature or something. So I'll do half of that. Like immediately, I'll go sit down on the computer, start checking email. I've got a stovetop espresso maker where I've got coffee that starts brewing. I've got a timer for that. That's six minutes. Usually, I finish the water within like six to ten minutes. And then I throw my bacon on my grill, which I, I grill at really low temperature, long time, like 200 degrees, slow, slow grilled. You slow grill like, bacon? Yeah. It's Why do you do that? Amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. You bacon every day? I, not every day, but I mean a lot of days. It, but, you know, I'll go through a tear where I have bacon a lot, and then I won't have it for two months, three months. Like, I'll, I'll just be like, oh, I'm over it, and I'm done. Yeah. So you slow grill it over like a, a regular grill? Like what yeah, is it's it? electric grill, you know, like nonstick deal. And, and uh, I just put it on 200 and it slow grills for like two hours. And it just makes what? it so amazing. Two yeah. hour bacon. Yeah. That's like a fetish type That's thing. Awesome. It is. Yeah. That sounds like yeah. heaven. But the, 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 the how it's like burning incense. It's Dude, you're bacon blowing, incense. Oh my God. Completely blowing my amazing. mind in you, so many ways on this show. You know, it's, it, I just had blood work done for life insurance. I'm 40 years old. New York Life did like the full deal, like crawled up my hoo-ha, you know, all the blood work and everything. And I be, I have the blood work parameters, the bioparameters of somebody who's 28 years old. So, like, they gave me a, the perfect, you know, health score. They, they've never had a 40-year-old male with as good of biomarkers as That's I have. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. And I was talking to their underwriter about the whole paleo thing, and I'm like, because the, the one thing they ding me on, I'm 5'9", 175 pounds, and so according to their charts, I was overweight. And I was like, well, I lift weights, and I'm reasonably lean, and I shot them pictures and everything. The guy's like, okay, that's cool. That's hilarious. That, that, that's such a stupid way of finding the, out if someone's the overweight. The BMI. Yeah. 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 So stupid. Yeah. It's like it's just saying, nah, there's no variables. Right. It's, right. it's ridiculous. And it, being 180 pounds and 5'9 is equal whether you lift weights or whether yeah. you are overweight. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, Eat Twinkies. It's, so, it's, it's such a, a silly thing. People look at that and like, you need to go and get your body fat tested. You need to get your, your, your body mass indicator needs to be done. Do you think uh, soaking or the electrical one when you stand on it, what's the best one to figure oh, out? Like, the, the, uh, the immersion tank is really the only way to go. That's yeah, the best the, way to the, go? The other stuff is so highly variable. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, and most of it is geared towards overweight people. So if you have an athletic population using it, it's not even on the same planet. It's not even close. Yeah. Yeah, I've yeah. heard that the um, the one that tests you if you stand on it and it, you know if it gets your body fat. If you're dehydrated, it registers that as more fat because right. it's more resistance for the electricity right. to pass through your system. Yeah, fascinating. I probably run like eight <clears throat> eight to ten percent body fat, reasonably lean, not like not like ridiculously lean, but reasonably lean. 
And there was some sort of a health fair going on, and I jumped on one of these scales, and it put me at 32% body fat. Whoa. And wow. you, you could imagine that maybe it's like, okay, maybe it's 12 or maybe even 15, which would yeah. be almost 50% off. But it was like, right. okay, yeah, there's something seriously broken What there. is your normal body fat? I think like 7 to, seven to 10, 8 to 10, something you, like you, that. You like to stay at that? Reasonably lean, yeah. yeah. If you get leaner than that, then I notice my performance tanks. Yeah. So like you would like to be like kind of brag pit fight club lean but then like you can't actually fight you can't yeah do much isn't that of funny yeah well yeah. dudes that are really super lean when you see them competing in mma that have cut an incredible amount of weight how much of an impact does that have just the, the fact that even when they rehydrate they have to fight so lean yeah i don't know it you know depend on the individual some people run lean and still have some good performance but you know it, wired into our brain wired into our genetics is a, a really tightly controlled mechanism to know how much body fat we have. And the, the, usually we want some, not too much, because you start getting unhealthy with too much. But if you start getting really, really lean, your body registers that as a stress because you don't have much survival reserve. Like if there was star a starvation scenario, then you know your body starts getting anxious about that and it'll elevate cortisol, it'll suppress your, your work output because it doesn't want you to be too lean. Dude, so. you're making people so happy today. Do you understand what you're doing here? You're saying bacon and eggs in the morning is good. You're saying coffee is good. Look what I just bought off of Think You're saying cake. you need some fat. You need, you're saying a couple of drinks the is okay. Or tactical, tactical bacon. bacon. Oh, nice. It, 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 it lasts bacon. for 10 years. It what? has 18 servings. Oh, that can't be good, Brian. Whatever. You want to get real bacon, son. You listen to what he said about preserving. That is real bacon. That's some shit if you're dying. You're in, you're in a fucking bunker. No, if you're camping and you need to That's eat your bacon. That's not tactical. And you run out of the bacon. Camping is not tactical. There's a fucking AK-47 on the trunk. <laughs> it, sh it shows you what that is. That box is designed for when the end of the world comes, you need bacon. The doomsday bunker. Don't eat the shit that's only going to be here at the end of the world, okay? <laughs> I would say get some real bacon, you silly bitch. So what I need to do is start my own farm and cook my own bacon slow for two hours. That's a... Yeah. That's how you start it off? Yeah, dude. That's the route to like a happy life. But do yeah. you, how do you start... When do you start the bacon? I get up... It, we, we have a three-month-old kid now, daughter... And so I take the early morning shift. So I, I grab her from my wife about 5.30 or 6, play with her, get the bacon going, do all that stuff. So I'm, I'm up then. Yeah. It's a fetish thing. Two-hour bacon it's a bit fetish. Well, you know, I'm, I'm cooking it ahead of time because my wife gets up around 8. Uh -huh. And so I'm cooking it. And then about the time she starts getting up, then I get some eggs going. My coffee's already been done. I make her some coffee, and then we get the whole How did you know going. that this is a good move to have it slow cook for two hours? So my buddy, Matt Lalonde, who's a Harvard Ph.D. chemist, and just <laughs> we, we call him the Kraken. It's like, unleash the Kraken! You know, he's, he's just wickedly smart dude. But he did all this research, and he's like, slow cooking meat is the only way that you should do it. You're a moron if you do anything else. And I'm like, really? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, because I cook steaks quick. Yeah. And, and they're so good, too. They're man. super good. And I mean, the grilling deal is, you know, there's a big How argument for How do you get like it. a sear? How do you get like that outer crispy brown? You, you don't. But you think about some of like the pit barbecue and stuff, which is mm -hmm. slow cooked. It's yeah. amazing. Pretty good. So, so good. I mean, there, there's, there's some trade-offs. <laughs> I there. like that, too. But I also like like the a medium sear. rare steak that's yeah. done correctly. Yeah. I guess the Argentinian method of cooking steaks is a low and slow right. cooking method. Right. Yeah, they have their they have a love of steak as well, right? <clears throat> and really good meat. Yeah, it's all grass fed. So yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that's how most of the fucking world is. I love that Brazil just won a big lawsuit over Monsanto. 
Do you know this? No, I didn't hear about yeah. this. I know that Monsanto was trying to push into uh, Mexico. Yeah, they. I'm, I'm sure they're going to push everywhere eventually. But Brazil won some multi-billion-dollar lawsuit. A bunch of farmers from Brazil won against Monsanto. It's just we got to figure out a way to let people grow grass and have the animals eat grass because that's the healthiest way. I mean, it really. It's people. Some. It should be. Someone should be able to say, "Hey, listen." This is you guys are we're being silly here. Let's do this the way these animals are supposed to be eating. Like we're, we're, we we see what happens when we make them eat animals. Right. When we make them eat themselves, which is right. the, the most insane thing about farming ever. Right. You know the the mad cow disease, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't know, was started because they made cows eat other fucking cows. Well, and they just had another uh, E. coli breakout. And the way that this E. coli is it becomes problematic when you feed cattle grains, it increases the stomach acid content in the the cattle. It gives them GERD, a gastroesophageal reflux disease type type deal because of the ele- elevated acid. And this uh, E. coli that is normally killed by stomach acid, you selectively breed it to survive high acid environment. So this stuff that normally our own stomach acid would kill because we feed the cattle grains instead of grass, we actually produce like a superbug that then if it gets some other genetic modifications, it makes it deadly. And it can survive going through the, the digestive process where normally we would kill it. So, the, you know, the, the grain feeding of cattle is just like, it's super expensive, <laughs> it's dirty, it's, it's, uh, and it's subsidized. Uh, resor- it's That's subsidized. Yeah, yeah. But and, there is a benefit of packing on more fat on the animal, which makes it a little bit more juicy when you cook it. Yeah, I mean, it, but you know, it's, it, it, it's interesting though, like if you, you find folks, like we spend a bunch of time in, in Nicaragua and stuff, and the folks from there, you get used to eating the meat that's grass fed, and it's definitely leaner. But it's very, very flavorful, and it's different. I, I, I think the, it's more the, gamey, almost. It's almost a little more gamey, yeah. Yeah, and when, by yeah. my more game, people have that association gamey, like gamey, like I, I think like vibrant. Right. That's what I when I when I say gamey. Where, where's I don't like, mean like funky. Grass-fed meat tastes more like butter. Yeah. You know, it's got kind of like a buttery consistency yeah. to it. Yeah. Grass-fed beef is or really grain-fed. delicious. Yeah. yeah. Grain-fed beef is a little bit more. Well, they're sick. I mean, that's really what it mm-hmm. is. You're eating a sick animal. Yeah, that's why I don't King, like King Kobe. Corn. Yeah. 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 Were Scary they, stuff. Yeah. The one in Food Inc. when they had the hole in the right. animal's side because it was like its fucking stomach acids were rotting. Yeah, it's a race against – when you Ugh. feed cattle grains, it's a race against time to get them fat enough to take them to market before, before they, die. they die from all the <laughs> gastrointestinal problems. And here's, a, here's an interesting thing. There's a guy, uh, Dr. Michael Leeds, who's kind of a, a long-time uh, low-carb guy, but he's kind of a paleo guy too. Really interesting dude. But he was doing some research on um, just like diets and different things. And he went to, he, he's from Arkansas, so he went to a feed lot, a feed store. And he asked the guy, hey, what do you, what do you feed animals to get them fat? You know, like horses and cattle and, and <coughs> pigs and all that. And they're like, well, the guy upstairs has this manual. And it was like feeding manual for weight gain in animals or something. And he opens it up. And when you looked at the ratios of protein, carbohydrate to fat, it was like identical to the food pyramid. I mean, fucking spot on. Whereas used to, we, we, you know, like the four food groups even, which like when you and I were kids was still more the, the gig, um, you typically ate more fat, more protein, and less carbs just in general. So it was really interesting. Like the formula, the standardized formula in this huge tome of a book to, to get animals fat for, for sale was identical to like the, the food ratios recommended by the ADA. Wow. It's a fattening diet because of the carbohydrate content, 
because of the allowance for, for refined sugars and stuff like that. And you said this all t- started being implemented in the 1970s, the recommendation for grains. Yeah. yeah. It, you know, prior to like the late 60s, early 70s, whenever you went to a doctor and you were overweight, you were recommended, you were prescribed a low-carb diet. For like 100 years, that was the norm. And it, this is uh, – Gary Tobbs wrote a really interesting book, Good Calories, Bad Calories. It's huge. Like you can only read it like a page at a time. It's like reading biblical text. It's super thick. But – for a hundred years, it was just understood that if you were overweight, you cut out like beer, potatoes, pasta, rice, eat protein and fat and green vegetables, and you lost weight. And it, it was it was just woven into, you know, all of medicine. And then around the 1950s, we had this idea that uh, heart heart disease was caused by fat consumption which had never been borne out by the, the science. It was a, a, interesting, like a vegetarian on a, a political committee that kind of put this thing forward and ended up enacting a bunch of the laws that pushed this stuff forward. And we've spent billions of dollars trying to prove that saturated fat causes cardiovascular disease. They had the Framingham Heart Study, which was 30,000 nurses or something like that, tracked over like 30 years. And the nurses that ate the most fat, the most saturated fat, ate the most calories, were the leanest, had the highest energy levels and tended to be the longest lived. And so, every, I mean, it's totally the emperor's new clothes type thing. Like, everything we've been told is just fucking wrong. Like, and not petite mall wrong, like ground mall wrong. It's horrible. What about salt causing problems? It, it, a lot of things in biology have what's called a U-shaped curve. So, like, if you have too low of intake, you have a high rate of disease. As the intake increases, disease drops to a low point. And then above a certain point, disease starts going up. And there's so many nutrients and biological processes. Exercise is a good one. You don't have any exercise, you're likely to die from a host of problems. You have a good amount of exercise, your likelihood of being healthy and dying decreases. Too much exercise and you're like the die that dies during an ultra marathon. So salt is exactly the same. Like we should have some salt and it's actually, it's like three to five grams a day. It's a reasonably high level that hits that that really low ebb of of a decreasing yeah being beneficial there are some people that respond very negatively to chloride which salt is sodium chloride and they respond very negatively to it they retain water it jacks up their blood pressure so there are some people that they need to be pretty low salt otherwise they're going to have cardiovascular problems so it does it cause hypertension in people if they overdose in it or is that a misnomer it, it it can, but it, interestingly, when you consume carbohydrate and your insulin levels go up, when insulin goes up, another hormone called aldosterone goes up, and aldosterone causes your body to retain salt. And when you retain salt, you retain water. So it's actually an indirect way that sodium elevates blood pressure. But if your insulin levels are high, say you're eating a high-carb diet, you know, like grain-based, you know, ADA-recommended diet— and you cut your salt back, you may still have very high blood pressure because of the insulin problem, not necessarily the salt problem. Oh. Whereas you're eating a little <clears throat> lower carb, you could eat some salt, and it's not going to be problematic at all. So most people don't have sodium issues. <clears throat> I would say it's less an issue of sodium and more an issue of carbohydrate and also sleep, circling back around. Like sleep is uh, only one or two nights of missed sleep, like poor sleep, can make you as insulin resistant as a type 2 diabetic. So, I mean, it, it's a no-joke deal. It deranges insulin function, like, immediately. Have you ever fucked around with an isolation tank? You know, I haven't. I have not. I've really? done a, I've done a, a bunch of, uh, 
meditation, all kinds of psychedelics. I, I've done all kinds of I other stuff. I would think you, with your, you're into recovery so much, the tank. Yeah, would I be have. I, I've never had the opportunity to mess with it. Oh man, yeah. I got to get you involved with it somehow or another, and and, and see what your results are. Because I know I you're so who, conscious of your, your rest and one of the most the, relaxing feelings ever is like doing like a couple hours in a tank. Right. The high saline deal and you just yeah. drift off. Yeah. Well, there's 800 pounds of Epsom salts in there. Right. 93 and a half degree temperature, same as your skin. You float into it. I mean, you, you feel nothing after the first 20 minutes. Right. Once you get over the fact that you're lying in water, you're flying through space. You're completely weightless. And everything sort of lengthens out. It feels, it's so relaxing. When right. So you, you feel, you'll hear things go pop. Like your like your muscles will like stretch Unwinding. out and unwind because it's literally a feeling of complete weightlessness. You're floating in the water. Right. It's an amazing feeling. Somebody told me about it, but I've just never had a chance. to That's check incredible. It out. I I am still to this day amazed at how little coverage and how little exposure the isolation tank has. It to me is one of the most amazing tools for first of all just for thinking because it's like meditation is one thing I think we you know we've covered visualization and meditation super important for anybody trying to achieve something but there is no alone like that tank alone right that tank alone is you alone from your body right I mean you you dissipate your it's your mind literally untethered from your physical form it's just thinking you don't see anything you don't hear anything you don't feel anything. If you just can stay put and not move, you won't feel the fucking water. You won't feel your body at all. You feel like you're flying through the darkness, and you're completely alone with your thoughts. But it's, it's not a, disassociative because you don't lose your yourself. Exactly. Just, okay. you, Interesting. It's, it's yourself as, <clears throat> as introspective as you ever get. You can't escape your insecurities. You can't escape your, your, your troubles. You can't escape the things that you're not liking about what you do, your laziness, your lack of discipline. You, you, know, you can't escape any of it. It's, it's you untethered from any distractions, any physical distractions, any spatial, recognizing colors, hearing hmm. sounds. All that's gone. There's dark blackness, no sound, no nothing. It's an amazing environment, and it's great for relaxation. Man, when I come out of there, I feel recharged. I can do two hours in the tank, and I feel like I just got up from, from an awesome like eight-hour resting sleep. Interesting. Yeah. Do, do people come unstitched sometimes? Like they get a little little weirded out? People get weirded out and quit. They yeah. just get out of the tank. They can't handle the, the aloneness, the solitude, the silence. Right. They can't handle the, the, the what happens to the mind. Because in the absence of any sort of sensory input, the mind can develop a psychedelic state. Right. And so you start hallucinating and having you know some really, really crazy and... Uh, they almost like lucid dream type, right. type situations. Some people don't like that. Some people love it. You know, right. Some people, that's what they're looking forward to. But just the introspective nature of it and the, the, the relaxation that you can achieve inside of there. I would be really curious to see what, how that you would be affected by that. I can't believe you haven't tried it. Man. I would love to try it. You're going to fucking love it. I'm going to hook you. How long are you in town for? Uh, Sunday. Till Sunday? Yeah. If um, I set you up at the float lab in Venice, can you make a trip down there? Could you do that? Uh, tomorrow I potentially could. Okay, I'll yeah. call Crash personally and set it up. Okay. He makes the best tanks in the country. Okay. In the world, really. His tanks are, they're, they're incredible. They're, they look like meat lockers. They're these giant things, and they're really wide and deep, and he uses, like, the best possible uh, cleaning equipment. It's all, all the waters pass through ozone. Wow. There's, like, no, no worries ever of anything, like, being in the water, nothing negative. 
and he always has the temperature perfect, and he just he's a master at this nice. shit. Like the guy, this guy is the best in the world, and he's in Venice, and he'll right on. he'll totally hook it up. It's the Float Lab, and if anybody's interested, go to floatlab.com. You can see the photos of it. They look like crazy fucking time portals. These things, and they really are. I mean, it, it, what it really is, it's like if you could take a pill that would put you in that state where you're. You're in this crazy darkness flying through space, re- relieved from the, all the input from your body. That would be a crazy fucking drug. Right. You know, you're achieving a, a very strange state without a crazy drug. I really want you to do it, man. We've got to hook it up. Oh, I'm, we'll, I'm we'll, there. That would okay. be awesome. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll set it up. We'll set it up for sure. Um, if people want to follow you, uh, the book is called The Paleo Solution. Yep. It is available, I'm sure, on Amazon. Pretty much everywhere. Pretty yeah. much everywhere, except audible.com. Soon. You Coming sons soon. of bitches, Audible. Sons of bitch. Doug. Are you working on a deal? Is that what it is? Yeah, we're, we're uh, just fin- getting ready to, to basically bring a mobile recording deal to my house, and then I'll sit down and like bang the thing out, and then we'll be good. So, yeah. If you go to Doug.com, Brian makes money. So yeah. Nice. There we go. He's got one of those weird deals with Amazon. So go there. Support. So the Paleo Solution Diet, um, if anybody else, if they want to get any more information about this, where, what's the best way to go Rob about Wolf. it? Robwolf.com. And like I have everything that anybody would ever need to do this for free on the website. So like whether you want to lose weight, if you've got an autoimmune disease, if you're a high-level athlete, you don't have to buy the book. Go to the website. Everything's laid out there for free. Do it. And then typically when people do it, they get great results, and then they end up buying the book. So yeah, and then I, I've got a podcast, the Paleo Solution. That's once a week. Paleo Solution that's available on yeah. iTunes? iTunes, yeah. And we're typically between number one and number four in the uh, health category. Like, oh, beautiful. We'll, we'll, we'll duke it out with uh, Jillian Michaels and stuff, so that we're doing pretty good on there. bitch. Yeah. I heard something crazy. Like, someone stole Jillian Michaels' car and crashed into a tree. Did you hear that? Really? They broke mm-hmm. into her house, stole her Bentley. She would yeah. probably kick their ass if I she know. got a hold of them. <clears> so. I think so. She's Maybe hot not. sex. I'd... You like that? Yeah. I, I think like she's gay, well. dude. Yeah. Well, I can Sorry. be gay. Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, we think she's gay for real though. She's so hot; it makes me—it's hard to believe. She just needs some good dick. She just needs you, Brian, to be convinced. <laughs> Joe, did you see some persuading? I, I've met a lot of guys. I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand how any girl doesn't go gay. I think they should all go gay. Most guys are fucking losers, but I think a lot of these poor girls—they're not really gay. They just need some good dick. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, did you see the pictures I put on? I don't mean this, folks, okay? If you're some crazy fucking, like, really super leftist person, you want to label me sexist, I'm just talking shit, okay? That's what this show is. Just having fun. Just talking shit. I don't really think you can fuck someone straight, okay? You feel better now? (laughs) Take all the joy out of comedy. Don't you love the exculpatory clause you need on everything? It's kind of like, okay, this is a plastic bag. Don't put it over your head. Well, I keep talking on my... uh, I'm sorry, Brian. We'll get right back to you. But I keep talking about team people. You know, let's say all sharks can suck my dick. We should kill them all. We should kill anything that kills you. I don't really mean that, you fucking dummies. I don't really think you should go out and kill all the sharks. But that is the reason why I don't surf. It's because I don't want to get eaten by a fucking shark. I know they're out there. But I don't really think you should kill them all, you fucking idiots. I'm going, team so, people, fuck the sharks. So, they can suck my dick. You really think a shark can suck my dick? You really think that's what I'm saying? Some people lack the irony gene. They just yeah. they don't have a signal for irony. Well, not only that, some people have diarrhea of the mouth, and they can't help just saying any stupid thing that comes into their mind. And so they put Would it on Twitter. Pretty much on, be us. So. <clears throat> with a, yeah, we, we just did a three-hour <laughs> podcast, and I'm talking about mouth diarrhea. I told people that I got a sex change on Twitter the other day, and I posted a photo of my sister because she could look kind of like me. In the <laughs> oh, I saw that. I saw <laughs> and people really thought I, I, I was like dressed in drag or, or something like that. That is awesome. Uh, There's a, 
a lot of fucking morons out there, man. Do you think that that is an environmental thing? I mean, it's, it's stepping oh, away we, from your we've ex- cre- area of expertise. We've, we've created an environment in which a complete moron can not only survive, but thrive. thrive. Yes. And, and they don't have to be able to get along with other people, be productive in their own life. Um, there's some safety net that will allow them to reproduce. I, I, I mean, uh, idiocracy. Like the first yeah. 10 minutes of idiocracy is... It's How it. do we fix this? You know, at some point, the sun's going to expand out to the, to the <laughs> orbit of Mars, and it's not going to matter. So, Is that really what it is? We just let this fucking we thing just, fall apart? We just and... fucking write it out. I mean, it, I don't know, man. It, it's, um... it seems like we're here, though, okay? If you're 40, I'm 44. We're here for a certain amount of years. We only have a certain amount of time. Um, there's got to be a way to make this a more pleasurable and sustainable experience for all the people involved in it and all the future generations before the sun burns out. Yeah. There's got to be a way to make it more comfortable. I I just lean towards this whole market-based libertarian kind of self-determination and freedom. And, you know, like we have all this fucked up stuff where – we have people that want to marry each other, and we won't let them marry each other. And we uh, we dump Chick Fil A exactly. There's yeah, people Chick-fil-A. are boycotting Chick Fil A in Boston. They were going off another another part of the country saying they don't want Chick Fil A. It's hilarious. So we get Chicago, people I think it was. all spun up over stuff like that. We dump a bunch of money into a prohibition, you know, tactic on on the drug scene that we know just doesn't fucking work. All it does is eat up resources, it creates a black market. Well, it also creates jobs, though. The, re- the real problem with keeping drugs illegal is that there's a whole bunch of people that make their living busting people who are on drugs. There's and- a reason why, by the way, these fucking DEA agents keep raiding medical marijuana dispensaries. You don't hear a goddamn peep about them busting heroin dealers or busting Oxycontin factories or busting illegal shit like meth labs. They're not doing that. You don't hear that. It's very rare because that's dangerous as shit. You know, and they know they can go into these pot factories or these pot dispensaries. They're like a cow. They're easy to get. It's an easy so, collar. It's yeah. an easy collar. And it's, it's disgusting because there's a business involved in giving these people jobs. These people that are DEA agents, they have to fucking do work. Okay? So they're taking the easiest road possible to do that work. They're going after some shit that's illegal that doesn't hurt anybody. I mean, it's, it's one of the worst abuses of the law that we have clinically or, 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 or rather uh, classically on record. Like, this is, like, one of the, wor- the worst, most obvious abuses of the law. How are you serving or protecting by Anybody. closing a dispensary? Right. You're not. You know you're not. And yet you know that there's, like, real problems out there. You know there's meth labs. How are these people on meth? You go to fucking drive to Riverside. Drive, drive around. Drive around to these areas that have meth issues where meth is in their community. Where's that meth coming from? It's coming from somewhere, you fuck. You need to go find that meth, you assholes. If you want to find something that's bad, find something that actually does damage. They're taking the cheap and easy way out like shitty government employees. That's the real problem with drugs being illegal is that it gives idiots a job in keeping things illegal. Well, and, you know, we're expanding the idiots. You know, yeah. we have this kind of wacky healthcare thing that, you know, they want. And if it's not the foot soldiers, it's whoever the fuck tells them they have to go and bust it. Maybe, maybe the soldiers, are, the, the, the actual officers are the ones who are trying to make a difference. I mean, who knows who's the dummy that's telling them they need to close down the medical marijuana dispensaries. But... That is the only way you can keep all those people employed. They have to be busting somebody. Right. You know, you, if you have a million DEA agents or whatever the fuck it is, and you all of a sudden make marijuana legal, what the fuck do they do? You know, what do the prisons do when they have all these people that are in jail for something and retroactively should be released? I mean, it, just because it's a, they, they violated a ridiculous law 10 years ago, they shouldn't be still locked in a fucking cage if we've determined that law doesn't make any sense. Right. 
So then what happens? We let everybody out of the prisons. The prisons don't make money anymore. The, the privatized prison stocks go down. The what are the you're going to fire some of the jail guys? Well, then they're they're going to go crazy with their union. It, industries come and go all the time. Yeah. That's probably one that could stand going. Yeah, fuck it could, but it's not. It doesn't seem like that's happening in our life. We need to figure out a way to force feed that like a fogwad duck. And just, listen, cocksuckers, this is the future. It's not right to lock people up for marijuana. You know, it's, it's interesting. The, there was a Ron Paul rally in, in Nevada that I went to in Reno, and it was huge. And uh, uh, it was all young people. And it was like black people and white people and Asian people. And, I mean, Nevada doesn't have that much racial diversity. And so the fact that there, there was, you know, this mix there and that they were young, that they were impassioned about this kind of libertarian idea – it was pretty interesting, and, and in this paleo scene, it's a really interesting overlap with it. Like almost everybody in this paleo scene is like kind of libertarian politics. Like they want gay marriage, they want free drugs. They, Why they, is that? I think it's because they're fucking smart. <laughs> you know, it's like they've kind of really? they've rattled all the stuff around. You know, like the 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 vegetarians, and I know people are going to hate me, but you know, there's a sense about. Well, we're going to nice our way into a stable world. But the reality is that the way that nature works is that you have carnivores and you know, herbivores. And, like, there's a biodynamic kind of system there. And I, I think that people in the paleo scene more embrace that. And they embrace decentralized farming and permaculture and things like that. But there's a really powerful kind of libertarian element to this paleo scene. And it's, it's growing like crazy. Like, every 12 months on Google, it's doubling. And, and as it stands right now, like it is just growing exponentially. And so you, you've got kind of a food oriented kind of exercise oriented scene, which is a little culty, but you know, it's also got this interesting kind of market based, um, libertarian kind of politics that, that seem to be woven through the whole thing. When you thing. say culty though, I think it speaks to people's ideas. It's like, you know, you know, when, when it comes along, when something comes along that speaks to what people had sort of surmised on their own, or at but least they didn't suspected, have a label for but didn't, it, and, didn't have a yeah. direction to put all the facts in, and you know, it's especially when it comes to libertarian ideology and just leaving people alone, let them do what the fuck they want to do. Right. For so many people, that's just a, a big yes. Like finally, like what the fuck is going on? Is it just this weird ass fucking society where dumb people are allowed to thrive and that? promotes these ridiculous solutions like a 10,000-year-old earth and, you know, su- supporting r- ridiculous old texts that were written back when people thought the world was flat and the sun was 17 miles away. I mean, it almost is like that, that, that's suppressing the growth. It, the U.S. is wacky in that we, we have a remarkably unsophisticated scientific understanding of the way the world works yet we make all the coolest science shit it's really weird (laughs) it's really weird you know as a popular like cern right right like ten thousand science which is super cool yeah yeah but you know it it, it's a weird gig and you know i think a lot of you know like the problematic things that pop up like when you see people who are homeless when you see uh, families with kids who don't have a job and they don't have a home then you want to do something to help them and i think having support networks and safety nets are smart but when you create them in such a way that you're incentivized to stay in versus get out then you create an indentured class and essentially a a slave class because they can't get there's no if you don't incentivize people to have self-direction then it's easier for them to stay there but the easiest way to destroy a person's soul is to provide them their means and Give not them a cause them to, to suffer and, yeah. and to find their own way through life. <clears throat> yeah, they will, they will have no personal development, right. no character. Right, 
and, which and, is the welfare state. Right. And, and I think that there's lots of good intentions that, that cre- you know, the path to hell is paved on good intentions. So there's a lot of desire to, to help people. And, you know, there's a, 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 doing these more market-based approaches, like having, um, you know, social support networks being driven more at the local level instead of the federal level and stuff like that. So, you know, there, there's a, been this thing floating around like the Cato Institute for ages where instead of paying like 50% of my taxes to the federal government like I'm doing now, if I pay to a local 5013C, a local nonprofit, then it's dollar for dollar reduces my, my tax burden at the federal level. And then how, you know, a local nonprofit is going to be transparent. It's going to be efficient. If they shit the bed on something, you can shut them down and pull your money and, and put it someplace else. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of other ways besides just expanding government it, to get things done and to take care of people. And, and people look at this kind of libertarian idea as being cruel and, and uh, Machiavellian, you know, that some, some people are going to be winners and losers. Right. That will always be the case. But if we create a vibrant society with freedom and we respect each other's rights and even if we don't agree, we don't fucking kill each other over the differences and stuff like that. You've got a really amazing thing that could happen from that. And I'm, I'm optimistic, <clears throat> e- even while we've got drones flying overhead, even while yeah. we've got another move by our supposedly, you know, hope and change-oriented president that wants, uh, you, you know, that is oriented towards more Internet suppression and more Internet monitoring. Like, it is really scary shit. And um, it, it's just wacky to me whether you're on the more liberal side or on the more right-wing conservative side the stuff that people will rally behind but not see the the cracks in the methodology, it, it, it's crazy to me. I don't understand it. Well, I think people just don't look into it that deeply, and they're usually really fucking busy. So what they do is subscribe to an ideology that makes them feel good, whether it's a Christian, God-loving, I'm a Second Amendment believer, and you know how many of them ever, ever even looked into it? They just, give me my gun! That's my gun! I mean, are, they, are you really looking at it realistically? I support the Second Amendment, but I mean, how many people really should have guns? How many people are fucking morons? Right. How many people shouldn't have cars? I mean, it's like we've made it so easy for someone to have the ability to use something as crazy as a car. And I was joking around about um, I love American cars. I love like American muscle cars. I love that. I mean, it's ridiculous, but I love that like Shelby. They're making a new uh, Shelby GT500 with right. 660 horsepower. Right. That's insane. The idea that someone would need 660 fucking horsepower in a streetcar. But I love the fact that you can get it. Right. I love the fact that you could be a fucking idiot with 10 speeding tickets, 15 fucking crash. As long as you're insured and you have whatever it costs, 80 grand or whatever the fuck it is, you can go to a Ford dealership and you buy yourself a goddamn 2013 Shelby GT500 and just drive like a maniac until they pull you over and arrest you. Right. I mean, it's something designed to break the law. It's bright red. You can't not. White stripes on it. It sounds like war. And it's got 660 fucking horsepower. I love that you can just do that. But really, you shouldn't be able to. Right. You know, really, it is kind of fucking crazy that we allow some asshole who could be texting to have uh, to 660 that. horsepower. Just bur- We trust them. We trust them to have their shit together. We, we have to figure out a way to make it so that you have to overcome something to achieve success. Right. In order to feed yourself, you've got to do some work. In order to you know, improve your environment and your surroundings, you have to put forth some effort. And when we make it so that people just get checks for nothing, that is like the complete opposite of the natural behavioral response, natural reward system that's set up for human beings. It makes us fat cunts. 
Yeah. I mean, it steals our soul. Yeah. And, and so you're really not helping people in that situation. Like, but how do you fix that, though, once it's in place? Do you force grandma to work? Bitch, get up. You're going to starve to death. <laughs> well, you know, like the, there's a lot of things like, like instead of, uh, uh, you know, your retirement going into a government pool, maybe you manage your own health savings account and 401k. And some people may shit the bed and then you may, you may, you may be reliant on the, the uh, you know, churches, 5013Cs, stuff like that. You know, I mean, it, it, not everybody, it's impossible to ensure that everybody is not, is going to be 100% taken care of. And I, of the, I think that that's a gut check for people. Yeah. They don't understand that, you know, like my, my parents are a, unfortunately a good example. Like my father was very smart, but he chose not to do the things that he should have done. And he, he could have had an engineering degree, could have done drafting and stuff like that. Instead, he just kind of fucked off. And he really didn't have much in, in his later life. And it's because, you know, inner child stuff, you know, whatever. His father was a horrible person. Like, I get that. Like, I had a way better childhood than my dad did. He, he had it way more difficult than I did. But he had choices that he could have made that would have provided for his family, would have provided for himself. And he chose not to do it. And he had a really rough, you know, end of his life. The last 15 years of his life sucked. But he steered the boat that way, you know, and I just don't want to do that. So, and I think that that's a gut check for people that they want a safety net. They want a safety net. They but want you to be able to save everybody, and they they think that's what the government is for. Yeah, the government is for a big pillow to make sure that you're going to be okay. But when you tell people they're going to be okay, they don't work as hard as when they don't know if they're going to be okay. Right, and that's what they need to do. Yeah, yeah, they need a little fear to, yeah. <laughs> to motivate them. Yeah. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. I think I think we need that with everything. You know, I think everything in life is uncertain and you have to always embrace the idea that you're a temporary being. It's going to, sh- the lights are shutting off no matter when point. the fucking sun overcomes the earth you right. know, with its, ex- its expansion. The lights are shutting off you way sooner than that, bitch. Right. Get it together, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Rob Wolf, you're a bad motherfucker, dude. You dropped some serious knowledge on this podcast. I really, really appreciate it, man. Thank it you, man. So informative and interesting and I bet we could probably do 10 of these. Right. Tell me when you want me back, yeah, and I'll, I'll, bring again, the mo- I'll bring the I'll bring the mixed drinks next time. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm bringing. I'm, I'm reading your book as of today, and I'm gonna get that shit. I can't get it from Audible.com. You son of a bitch. I'll, I'll get right on it. <laughs> so I'll, I will uh, <laughs> send it to you before I send it to them. I well, promise. I'm gonna get it from uh, Amazon. I'll get it from. Sweet. No, I'll get it from Doug. That's right. right? Doug. Get it from Doug. D u g g e d. But we want to thank Audible.com for being our sponsor today. We also want to thank Alienware for supplying us with these dope ass laptops. And if you really, we don't even know our sponsor but they hooked us up and if you are interested in gaming laptops you can't do any better than these alienware things yeah. they're fucking giant bricks but the graphics power is fucking staggering you check out the awesome 3d games. gaming the 3d yeah. gaming's really cool i've been doing a lot of it they're like. the shit and they support fighters and that's why we support them alienware mma on twitter go follow them follow rob wolf on twitter with two b's that's rob wolf on twitter and thank you to audible.com and uh, if you go to audiblepodcast.com forward slash Joe Rogan, you can, uh, I don't know, if fucking something happens. You like, guess good the, shit happens. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Like I think maybe, you get a free trial. Yeah, uh, something it, happens. They give you something. Or They'll give you some cool shit. But it's a g- great service, and I'm, I'm a huge fan of Audible books, audio books. Um, they're great to listen to in the car. They literally make traffic dissolve. All you think about is what you're hearing in the story. It's, it's a chance for you to instead listen to some stupid gossip news or some depressing shit about the world. You can get lost in some cool fiction or some informative stuff. 
Or, you know, you could uh, listen to our friend Bobcat Goldthwait in his uh, book, I Don't Mean to Insult You, But You Look Like Bobcat Goldthwait. That's my recommendation. And one that has helped me tremendously, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield, Winning the Inner Creative Battle. It's uh, really amazing and inspirational book that I really enjoy. And you can get that from audible.com. Thank you also to onnit.com. Go to O-N-N-I-T and use the code name Rogan. You will save 10% off all your supplements like Alpha Brain, New Mood, Shroom Tech, Sport with the Cordyceps Mushroom that we discussed earlier and uh, Shroom Tech Immune, Shroom Tech whatever. We need Shroom Tech Dick Hard. That's next. <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's the combo. You should do that, man. I'm, they're, they're working on some shit from that spider, that wandering spider that makes your dick hard, kills you. They're working on some of that. You know oh, about that? The no. Brazilian wandering spider? Yeah, the Brazilian wandering spider gives you, uh, when it, it stings you, it kills more people than any spider in the world, but it kills you by making your dick hard. <laughs> it, makes, <laughs> it, it, it makes your whole body like stiff and rigid. It does something to your nitric oxide. Okay. And it gives you a, a, a hard-on that if you survive the bite, which most people don't, your dick is broken forever. Wow. It really blows up like a sausage on a grill. It pops the casing. It, this just sounds oh. like all upside. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but they got pharmaceutical dudes trying to figure out how to use this spider's properties. It's probably be the next Spider-Man movie. In the Spider-Man movie, everybody has They're a hard-on. with erections. Running, <laughs> screaming hard-ons that explode. Uh, Onnit.com. O-N-N-I-T. Get yourself some kettlebells, son. Get all fucking manly like Rob Wolf and get some battle ropes and all that good shit. Um, uh, but with the supplements, use the code name Rogan, save yourself 10% off. The kettlebells, we are selling them as cheap as we humanly possibly can. It is a crazy business. I'm so sorry for all those UPS drivers out there. We're sending fucking cannonballs with handles through the mail. Uh, the battle ropes are the cheapest you can get on the internet, and that is a fact. They are the cheapest and the best at onit.com. Go get some, you dirty bitches. We'll see you tomorrow with Maynard from Tool. Hollow. We have a huge show tomorrow night. Oh, that's tickets right. Tickets are on sale, and here's the lineup. We have Joe Rogan, Joey Diaz, Josh McDermott, Billy Bonnell, and Randy Lickey from the Bone Zone. And, and you. Tony Hinchcliffe and me. And Brian Redband. It's a fucking powerful show, ladies and gentlemen. You can't get any better than that. 10.30, Friday, at the Ice House, one of the oldest comedy clubs in North America. Shit's been here since the 60s, son. All right, show's over. See Sweet. you guys tomorrow. We love you all. Thank you very much. See ya.